Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the NFL regular season is in the books. And <laughs> wow, what a day. I mean, there were so many close games, so many intense games, so many overtime games. You got to give it up to the NFL. And to bring it home, I'm looking at you, Pac-12. You need to copy what the NFL does. The NFL closes the season in the last four weeks. Pretty much everybody plays three division games, which means when it gets close to the end, you've always got the chance, well, yeah, if you get the win, not only you get the win, but you get the tiebreaker, so everybody's got hope. You know, they're going to make up ground. And, of course, they don't always. A lot of times they don't. But there's a chance. And you finish with rivals playing each other. You know, you've got the, the Niners and the Rams. Great. Traditional rivals. Great game. Overtime game. And the Niners get the win and eliminate the Saints and get into the playoffs. And the Saints lost Taysom Hill. So I know a lot of you lost your interest in Saints. Liz Frank injury, it sounds like. Which, uh, that's what he had against Nebraska. And that's a pretty serious injury. That, I think, is what ended Chad Lewis's career. Now, you can come back from it, and he has, so maybe he can do it again, but that, that sounded bad. And it's too bad because he's playing well. And Atlanta's not a good team, but they had a touchdown on the opening drive. They got into field goal range, although he missed it on the second drive. And then on the third drive, they were driving towards the score, and he got hurt. And they'd already driven like 50 yards or whatever, and uh, Simeon came in and scored, and they went on to win the game. Um, but I think all these games, late in the year with these division games that are so big, they're a great idea. And I think the Pac-12 needs to do it. And why the Pac-12 feels like they need to routinely have Utah and USC playing each other in early October, and then the Utes play in Oregon in November, which, you know, sets up the chance for a rematch. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good idea. The Pac-12 needs to play the crossover games early and then play the division games late. But... What do I know? I mean, the NFL does it, and it works for them. Copy them. Don't try to outthink the room. The NFL is full of just genius. Look at the way they market themselves. Look at the day they had. My gosh. Now, there were some eggs laid, and I'm looking at you, Indianapolis. You you won 8 out of 10 after a terrible start. You won 8 out of 10 to get in a playoff position, and you lose your last two games to the Raiders and to the Jaguars. Now, at least the Raiders, you lost at the end. It was competitive. It didn't go your way. You got blown out by the Jaguars, and they're terrible. It was only their third win. That was horrific. Wentz was terrible. The defense was terrible. Everything fell apart. It all rests on the head coach. Uh, top to bottom, that was just a mess. You, you can't be down 26-3. to three. They got a late touchdown on two and lost 26-11. to 11. That was a mess. That, that was horrific. So you got to give it up to the Colts. They had the worst day. The Chargers and Ravens had bad days. They both lost in overtime. Tyler Huntley, man. The pick on the first play of the fourth quarter, you just knew the football gods were going to punish that. They're up 10-6. to six. <clears throat> They're playing it close to the vest. they got a great defense. Roethlisberger does not appear like he can throw the ball downfield whatsoever. And so you're in a defensive struggle. You're in field goal range. Worst case scenario, you kick the field goal, you go up by seven. He throws at the end zone. You could see in a replay what he saw, but he threw it late. 
And if you don't throw it a little early and gun it in there, then you run the risk of all defenders. You know, the, the window's open, but it's not open for long, and it's not open by much. And sure enough, you throw it a little late, it hangs in the air, and it gets picked off. When that happened, you're like, oh, the Steelers are coming back. Sure enough, they score with three minutes left. Now, you got to give it up to Huntley. He kept competing. He had a big 21-yard run on a field goal drive that got him to overtime. But in overtime... The Steelers convert a fourth and eight. And I know Roethlisberger isn't what he was, and he's probably retiring, but the rest of the team is not good. I don't like the whole, oh, Big Ben is washed, so the Steelers are no good. I think without Ben, the Steelers fall even further. And I'm not sure he's got much left in the tank, but they have been bad against the run this year. They haven't run the ball well, and that's just statistical fact. You can look at it. They're not good numbers. And they still have drop issues. On the game-winning drive, they had a second and eight, and Ben hit two guys in the hands, and they both dropped the ball. So now it's fourth and eight. But they converted, they got down the field, set up the field goal, and won the game. Then they had to, def- <laughs> all they needed was the Chargers and Raiders not to go to overtime. And the Raiders were up by 15. I mean, they had some help from the Chargers. I don't care what the analytics say. You're going for it on fourth and one at your own 17 or 18 yard line, and you're getting stuffed. Oh. Now, of course, because these teams aren't very good, the Raiders can't cash in and make them pay. The Raiders end up having to kick a field goal. You can't be gifted the ball in the red zone and settle for three. You're going to the playoffs. You're fighting to go to the playoffs. you got to put that thing in the end zone. So there were flaws. There were, And actually, the Raiders, you know, the Chargers have a terrible run defense. I mean, they shouldn't be in the playoffs. They have a terrible run defense. They're ranked 29th in yards per game on the ground. But you got to give the Charger defense credit. They stopped the Raiders on like first and goal at the three in the first quarter and made them settle for a field goal. And then they held them after that ridiculous gamble that's on the coaching staff. So they did, they did make some plays. <clears throat> and Herbert's good, but he throws too many picks. He threw his 15th pick of the year in that game. That's too many. It's like, I think, two off of Trevor Lawrence, who led the NFL. And Lawrence has the advantage of, well, he's a rookie. He played for a coach with no pro experience. He got fired in the middle of the year. And the team around him isn't good. So it's bad that Lawrence threw, I think it was 17 was the final number. It's bad that he threw 17 picks. But you can't be a third-year pro trying to get to the playoffs and only be two picks off Trevor Lawrence. Come on now. you got to protect the ball better than that. But he is a gunslinger, and Herbert brought him back. Man, they needed two fourth-quarter touchdown drives and a two-point conversion to get to OT, and he did it. He threw a touchdown on fourth and 21 and on fourth and five. He's not efficient, but, man, is he entertaining. And he got an overtime, and they trade the field goals, and then, I don't know, they're calling timeouts. It felt like the Raiders might just play for the tie. You know, and I know there was a whole lot, oh, they should just kneel down for three hours and get out of there. You can't do that. The commissioner's got the powers to, to punish you, to actually, I think, give you losses and forfeit the game and kick you out of the playoffs. Um, but they played it. And so, you know, in the final minute of overtime, if that's the best strategy, so be it. But after the game, the Chargers called timeout, and so then the Raiders decided to go for it. After the game, Derek Carr said, yeah, the timeout changed our mentality. So... It's tough for coaches in that situation. Of all the mistakes that were made, although I don't like that one, I, I get that one a little bit. You know, Kyle Whittingham didn't call a timeout against Ohio State, and they ended up getting down into chip shot field goal range and run the clock right down there to the final seconds. So sometimes, because you don't know what's coming, you know, you're cursed if you do, you're cursed if you don't. <sighs> there were so many curious decisions, though. 
What was Denver doing on Saturday? I mean, it didn't matter because Denver's already out of the playoffs and Vic Fangio got fired, so now there's three jobs open. And it's Black Monday, so we're going to have more names coming out today. Um, more people will get fired. But Fangio gets let go. But they're down seven, and they're driving. There's like four and a half minutes left in the game. I think they had like fourth and nine at the 13 or something. And instead of going for it and trying to tie the game up, they kick a field goal, and then they never get the ball back. Curious decision would be the nice thing to say about that. Horrific would be another one. And I think Fangio is probably getting fired anyway. But that sealed it. And it is a little dirty. I mean, they don't have a quarterback. And the defense was great. You know, if they if they can get Russell Wilson in the offseason, the Broncos could be in business. Of course, that's what New Orleans is saying, and that's what Washington is saying. And we go right down the line, right? The, if Seattle chooses to trade him, they're going to have an auction. And who knows, maybe a team with a young quarterback says, forget it, let's win now, let's get Russell Wilson. I don't think Chicago would do that, but maybe they're going to end up with a new coach. Who knows, right? Anyway, a lot of crazy games. We'll get more into the NFL coming up and what is trending. The NFL has what it wants. San Francisco at Dallas for a playoff game. New England and Buffalo, grudge match. They're meeting the third time. And there's a bunch of... There's a, oh, Arizona and the Rams are meeting for a third time, too. There's a bunch of good playoff games. So Ram, the, the Raiders and the Bengals are going to play Saturday afternoon. The Raiders haven't won a playoff game in 19 years, and the Bengals haven't won one in 30. So somebody's ending a drought. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, best of the Jazz post-game show on the way as they lose again. More players going into COVID protocol, assistant coaches, too. Uh, we'll get to all of that coming up. Best of the Jazz post-game show next. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Pacers get the win. They beat the Jazz. DeMontis Bonus goes nuts. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz dropped a tough one Saturday night. They've now lost two in a row. Uh, they lost Saturday to Indiana, 125-113. to Of course, no Joe Ingles, no Rudy Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell was back. Boyan Bogdanovich was back. Mike Conley uh, was back as well, but uh, to no avail. The Jazz fall. Devonta, uh, DeMontis Sabonis. How about this game? 42 points, 18 of 22 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3. Absolutely amazing. And Lance Stevenson, who the Pacers recently signed, comes back with a uh, with a uh, comes back in a blaze of glory. That doesn't make any sense. 16 points, 14 assists for Lance Stevenson in 29 minutes coming in off the bench. Jazz did not have any answer for Indiana defensively. They got 36 though from Donovan Mitchell on 13 of 27 shooting, 21 from Bogdanovich, 18 from Clarkson coming in off the bench. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Quinn, wanted to ask about kind of the defensive level in this game. Obviously, giving up 125 points. Just what did you see defensively out there? Well, first, um, you know, we had a, a player that in Sabonis that, you know, just had a, a terrific night. We tried to do a lot of different things against him. Um, you know, usually usually he scores on the offensive glass sometimes um in the paint tonight he just he was you know around the basket he he was so efficient a lot of times it was in the middle of the floor and um we were trying to come and help and uh, obviously had difficulty handling him particularly down low so um, when we get those types of situations you know it just it's it requires us um you know, we're blitzing the post. We're switching pick and roll and they're rolling us down. There was a lot of different things that happened. And our execution in some of those situations, um, 
you know, it shows with their offensive efficiency. It's just got, it's got to be, got to be better. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it and find where we need to be better in terms of help situations, ball pressure. There was a lot of different things throughout the course of the possession that could contribute to that. Ryan Miller. Uh, Daniel and Norvell got a chance to kind of go with the normal guys tonight. What did you think of them kind of going tonight? Well, you know, we saw Daniel play, you know, last night as well. And, you know, we want him to come in and defend and run and shoot when he's, when he's got a clean look from three. Hassan got in foul trouble early. Um, you know, and Novero got a chance to play and, you know, did some good things for us, blocked a shot, um, got to the basket. Um, so both those guys, you know, trying to contribute in ways that they can. There you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team uh, fell to Indiana on Saturday night, 125 to 113. Let's get to the players. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. Hey, John. Um, after um, after missing and watching kind of the young guys be able to step it up, and especially what they were able to do in the first half, I guess, against Toronto, um, first, what did you think about that? And then coming into tonight, did you, did you feel like you guys had your legs under you? I think you and Mike and some the other guys that took a night off um no i i'll I answer the second part first um i felt like we were okay you know we we competed you know there's there's certain things that we could have done better um i don't think we were tired more than nest more than normal i would say um they 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 just we haven't seen pressure like that for a consistent 48 minutes in a while you know so that that plays into that but i wouldn't say because of the time off you know we were kind of didn't have our legs per se you know at the end of the day um if anything we would have more legs um to be honest with you so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say that and then as far as last night man i i wanted to tweet eight tweets about it but like those guys play their ass off. I'm extremely proud of them. You know, uh, all of them. Um, it's just a tough situation to go from not playing to playing 36, 37 against a team like Toronto. Um, Eric, you know, coming and doing what he does. Um, you know, I kind of had a feeling he was going to do that just because he's had that role before in Golden State. Eli looked really good, comfortable. Um, and there were some mistakes, you know, it's, it's natural, you know, when you play against a team that's as, as quick and agile and as long as they are, you know, Trent, Trent and JB, you know, fumbled it a little bit, but, you know, they learn from those mistakes. They'll learn a moment. It's not a big deal, you know, but to go out there and compete, you know, to go out there and continue to, you know, to, to fight and battle, those guys play really well, everybody top to bottom. And, you know, I think we're all proud of the development that we've seen, you know, from everybody. And um, that'll come to help us, you know, in the later months. But that, that was, I was, I was excited. I think we all were, we all watched it together. And I think it was great to see, you know, that um, out of the group. Tony Johns. Donovan, uh, what would you say uh, went wrong for you guys tonight? Um, honestly, man, we, 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 we did it to ourselves. I feel like that's a winnable game for us. Um, we shot ourselves in the foot with a few different things. You know, we get a turnover, turn it right back, turnover right back, uh, missed assignments. A lot of it, you know, we, we knew what we needed to be and we just weren't there every possession. And we got to do it. This month is not easy for us. The schedule is going to not be easy for us. So it's like, yo, we got to go out there and do it every night. You know, teams are coming at us, uh, especially with what happened last game with how they were physical and, and, and kind of all that other uh, – nonsense you know for us we, we got to be locked in from the jump and you know we were and then they go on a run we come back you know we competed don't get me wrong but you know we got to think the game too um 
down the stretch, we got to think about where, where we need to be, our game plans, why we're found. I, I got lazy, didn't get over a screen. I got lazy, didn't miss the block out. Kiefer Sachs comes in and, and gets a lap like So, like, this is a point. If we want to be a championship team, we got to do it every night. And we didn't do it tonight. And it, we, this is, like, let's go. And that's on all of us, 1 through 15. And I know we're missing Joe and Rudy, so it's, it's you can easily put it on that. But this is a winnable game for us. Um, this is something that we, we can go out there and win this game. And, you know, the fact that we didn't hurt and it's going to eat at us. But, you know, hopefully that fuels us for, for Detroit and the rest of this month because it's going to be tough. Um, but this is a game where that was a game where we if we pay a little more attention to the little things, you know, do everything a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit better pace, you know, execution wise. We win this game. Eric Walden. John, along those lines, it seemed like you guys, you know, aside from a few turnovers, generally had a pretty good offense tonight, but the defensive engagement was kind of not where it needed to be. Where are the areas on the defensive side where you guys can be more consistent or, or be more effective? Oh, you know, obviously when you don't have Rudy out there, we did it against Jokic in Denver. You know, we shifted, you know, we were there in the paint, you know, at the end of the, I mean, Jokic had 20 and 20, but we still were shifted in, you know, making guys and they shoot better than Denver does. Uh, they have more shooters, but you know, the thing is we, we were able to execute. We were able to think we were able to go out there and say, okay, you know, we're missing both our centers, you know, both our, both our big dogs. We were able to lock in, scramble, execute. And, you know, we didn't really do that to the highest level, whether it was on the ball our scrambles, getting out of contest, closing out, boxing out. Um, we just didn't do it every possession. You know, there were times where we, we, when we needed it, we kicked in and we, we got the lead back. But, you know, for us to be where we want to be, we have to do it every possession. Um, and I can't say we did that tonight and not think that's going to eat at us because this is a game, like I said, this is a game we felt like we could win. And you got to give hats off to where um, you got to give them credit where credit's due. They got a lot of dogs over there, guys who compete and fighting. Uh, Sabonis had a hell of a night. So we just got to go out there and continue to execute and think, you know, the game as far as the defense goes. Offensively, we did a lot of things right. You know, I, I think we, you know, we missed some, some, some easy ones, we missed some shots that we normally make. But, you know, defensively, especially when, you know, you got Rudy out and then also Joe on the perimeter, like we got to be able to, uh, you know, lock in. Last question, Ryan Miller. Yeah, yeah, Don, could you just take us through how strange this week has been for you just with the whole COVID thing, not going to Canada? How different of a road trip has this been? Um, I wouldn't say it's too different, I think, you know, because I didn't go on the road trip to um, – where did we just go? San Antonio and, and Portland. I think it was, it gives you time to kind of sit back and watch the game in, in a different aspect, you know, as a, it's, it's, it's different. But for me, for me personally, I should say, you know, it allows you to kind of get your lift in, get your legs right, you know, and kind of recovering and, and make sure your body's hundred percent for a game like tonight where, you know, it's going to be a physical 48. It's been weird though, you know, cause we, you know, collecting the going and guys get COVID, you know, Rudy and Joe get COVID and it's like, you know, just, you got to be able to adapt, you know, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, is we, especially going into Denver, you know, with that happening, it just, everything just happened kind of quickly. Uh, but, you know, we just got to be able to adapt and be ready and, you know, get ready for Detroit. There is Donovan Mitchell, big night from Donovan in the loss, 36 points on 13 of 27 shooting nine assists. And he even uh, grabbed a couple of rebounds. Let's now hear from Hassan Whiteside. Hey Hassan. Um, Don told us that he felt like the, the effort and concentration levels were not really consistent and where they need to be on a night-to-night basis um what do you feel like you guys can can do better in that regard um i don't know i know guys came back you know uh, a couple guys missed games last game and 
You know, we didn't, we didn't really get to have a shoot around or anything because it was a back-to-back. So we just came in and, uh, you know, they got the better of us. Andy Larson. How did the concussion happen? And kind of like what has the last week or so been for you like as you've kind of dealt with those symptoms? Oh, uh, I just had a headache every day. You know, it feels like you like hungover. You know, it feels like um, like light sensitivity. You know, it's 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 not good. It's not a good feeling. Do you feel like that's still affecting you at all? Yeah, I still got a, uh, still a little bit of headache. I got a little bit, but it's okay. I've just been playing. Um, I'm fine. I'm just trying to get, uh, get back in the field of things. Eric Walden. Hassan, obviously, um, Sabonis had a huge night. Uh, where was he having success? Where Where do you feel like you guys maybe could have done things a little differently against him? Um, I mean, he was scoring a lot of a lot of points when we was when we went smaller. You know, um, we scored a lot of points uh, when it was when it was like under the shot under the rim. Um, he just got like a lot of like easy duckings, I think, and I'm um, off the rolls. Sarah Todd, last question. So do you think that uh, that the kind of the effects of the concussion and you still feeling it a little bit is affecting your play at all? Um, no, I don't want even no excuse. You know, I'm I'm just coming out. You know, I'm just trying to get back and uh, get back to things. You know. Uh, it was it was we ain't practice uh it was a back to back so i'm not really i'm not really concerned we're going to move on to detroit and then um I think we go back home. There's Hassan Whiteside, eight points, eight rebounds in 25 minutes of play. He got the start for Rudy Gobert, who, of course, is out uh, due to health and safety protocols. He and Joe Ingles both. Let's wrap up the player sound with Boyan Bogdanovich. Hey, Boyan. Um, it seemed like you guys mostly had a pretty good offensive night, other than you know a few turnovers here and there. But the defensive effort was maybe not as consistent as you guys would have liked. Where do you feel like there was perhaps room to improve in that area? I mean, we gotta be, we gotta be more aggressive defensively. This is not who we are. Like a lot of, lot of easy, easy buckets, especially for the for Sabonis early on. But, uh, but like I said, our effort gotta, gotta be better all, all across the board. And uh, bad loss, bad loss for us. I mean, last couple of games we were, our defense was solid, and and, and once again we kind of let them to drop 130 points or whatever they hit tonight. Sarah Todd? Boyan, what's it, what's it feel like when a guy has a career night against you? I mean, she had a, she had a great game. Like I said, he got in a game with a, with a couple easy buckets and then Lance was doing pretty pretty good job on pick and roll finding him. So, I mean, it's always... It's always bad. You don't want to be on a, on on that side, but a great game from uh, from his side. Eric Walden. Well, and you mentioned that the effort was not where it needed to be tonight. Don made similar comments that consistency of effort and and concentration keeps kind of popping up with this team. How do you feel like that's uh, a thing that you guys can can fix and get better at? Oh, it's gotta be gotta be more aggressive on uh, on the ball. Be be more aggressive on uh, on the help side as well. Like I mentioned, like we played, we had a couple couple 
a couple of games that we that we were defending pretty pretty well, but uh, I don't know what's going on. That once in a while we are we allowed we allow the teams to score score a bunch of easy easy buckets on us, but uh, it's all on us. Like like I said, across the board, we gotta all take more responsibility and and, and be better defensively. Last question, Andy Larson. Oh, yeah, and I just want to ask about a specific play, the one at the very end of the first half um, where Dwayne Washington got that open three as kind of the clock went down. I'm just It seemed like a miscommunication, but kind of what, what happened on that play? I was just trying to figure it out. I mean, yeah, it's it's all about, about concentration and um... – and and a focus probably we didn't we didn't switch and and and, and he got a he was wide open but uh, like I said we gotta we gotta be better those those kind of errors cannot be part of our game if we wanna if we wanna be and create something special this season. There's Boyan Bogdanovic had 21 against his old team on seven of 16 shooting. He also grabbed six boards, but the Jazz fall to the Pacers 125 to 113. Uh, they're back out on the road tonight. They're in Detroit taking on the Pistons. That game will tip off at five o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at four. There is the best of the post-game show. Jazz and Pistons tomorrow. Rudy Gay and Elijah Hughes both go into COVID protocols, joining Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles, also three assistant coaches led by Alex Jensen. So it's going to be a little space on the bench for that game tonight. It's the Jazz and Pistons tonight, then they're back home on Wednesday to play Cleveland. We're going to be right back with the Jazz owner, who is now also part owner of Ralph Salt Lake. He's got a minority share. Uh, but Ryan Smith with PK and I coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Ryan Smith. Majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and he now has a minority stake in Ral Salt Lake as well. Ryan, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> well, you bought another team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stuff works, but we end up, uh, we, uh, man, like the world's a crazy place because we originally started kind of down this road in sports with RSL and and talking to Millers ended up, you know, going into the the jazz. And it all came through RSL. And then a year later, you know, I'm talking with Blitz. And he's like, hey, this is, a, this is a good opportunity. And I'm a soccer guy. Let's go do this. We'd love to have you involved. And, it, you know, I think the original thesis of RSL was right. It was just in the wrong order. Yeah, for sure. We had, you know, we had heard of your interest in in this, so it didn't come as a surprise to us that you got involved. I'm wondering when you go into these ventures, how much research do you do before you absolutely say, okay, yes, this is the right thing to do? I mean, first of all, it's like I think that, and and it's hard it's hard to understand this, but you know, sports is a long term commitment, right? You know, these sports franchises, they're, you know, no one gets, I mean, at least from on, on the ownership side, no one's getting a paycheck, right? And I think I think there's probably a perception out there that these, these create a bunch of, you know, instant wealth or this or that. Um, it's really about the community. And if this MLS team was not in Utah, there'd be no chance that we would have a part of it. And you know, when we did the jazz, I was super fortunate to put together a couple people who don't live in Utah, who are all in on Utah. They love Utah. And it's pretty amazing that when we have an opportunity like this, 
you know, everyone on the jazz side basically unanimously was like, we're all in on soccer. Even though there's probably two or two of them that will never go to a soccer game or be there and willing to commit because of the broader vision and the good they see in Utah. And that's, that's special. And that's what allow us to, to go in and do this. And so um, you do a bunch of research. I mean, you got to be familiar with it, but you know, both the jazz and RSL, like I'm a fan first. Right. And so it's kind of a unique spot to be in. I'm also a sponsor first, which is also another unique spot to be in. And so I, I think that it helps a lot. Different owners probably handle it differently. Maybe different owners, the ones who own multiple teams, handle it differently with each club, I, w- I would assume. But I'm curious how you parcel out your time. Uh, you're married. We all know relationships take time, effort, yeah. and energy. And you got kids. And if we raise kids, we know they take time, energy, and, and focus and all that. You got a company to run. You got a team to run. You got other things you're interested in. We've heard you on social and political issues. Like, how much time do you put into the jazz in an average week? And how much time do you think you're going to put into RSL in an average week? And how much of the research PK talks about was business? And how much of the re- research was personal because you got all these other things to focus on, too? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people are trying try to figure that out. I mean, that's been a question that you're always trying to figure out how to balance, um, you know, and reinventing yourself. I think we all do that. Um, you know, and, and I think first and foremost, no one's perfect, right? So I'm not perfect at all. And, um, you know, time allocation's hard because it creeps up on you. Like you, you say, hey, this is how much time I'm going to go put into something. And then you look at your calendar and I used to run this exercise for like 10 years where it's like, where did I actually spend time versus where I thought I spent time? And then you're super surprised that, oh my word, I spent 20 hours this week on this and I wasn't planning on it. And we all, we all kind of do that. Um, when it comes to sports though, um, let's just break it down with like RSL first. So I hope in, in, I said this yesterday, it's like we are so incredibly fortunate as a state of Utah that David Blitzer planted his MLS flag here. Like, I cannot be more direct on that. There's only two soccer franchises in the world that have a portfolio like David does, and it's Man City and it's what David's put together with six European teams, including Crystal Palace and Osberg and, um, you know, team in Belgium, team in Spain, and now Salt Lake. So, so first, just, you know, someone where it's a natural fit for an MLS saying, hey, look, I want to do it here. And then we're also maybe one of, we're, we're, we're one of a couple cities that has two professional sports franchises, mainly MLS and basketball. I mean, I think of Portland and Orlando, but we're the only one where they're tied together now with one ownership. And that is also a massive advantage. David's team is going to operate soccer. So let's talk from a time standpoint. I'm here to help um, regardless of ownership structure or anything else. It would be crazy to not um, want that group operating soccer. And, you know, I'm here to help. The Jazz, I'm more involved with. And so I think that that's, that's kind of how I think through it. But, you know, um, 
you know, the NBA has been a crazy place the last couple of years. And, you know, but in both areas, it's like we hire phenomenal people who would do a way better job than I would and, and try to empower them. And I think that you, you've seen that with the Jazz, with both Jay-Z and Ainge coming in. Um, and then, you know, we're so incredibly blessed to have Quinn. Um, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty phenomenal organization. And so I just try to help where I can and, and try to not, not mess it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You say that because of the location of the of Salt Lake City, you know, that was your interest in RSL. So it basically it had to be in Salt Lake City. Did it have to be this owner also too that you wanted to partner with? A hundred percent. And that that was that was one of the reasons why. I mean, Blitz called me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this if you're in, I'm in. And and that's really how it happened. And and then we started talking and it started getting much more exciting um, from, from that standpoint. Um, so it's, it, I think, I think it's, a, it's a good move. I mean, this is – in its short time, RSL is, has become a storied franchise. And um, there's a lot of respect around the league for what the – I mean, look, going to the Western Conference playoffs this last year and, um, you know, winning a championship, it's, it's, it's been – it's been an interesting, um, and with the academy and everything that they've done, um, I feel like I've been fortunate to try to kind of take stewardship over two amazing franchises and, and try to take them to the next level, and and that's how sports works. There are people in the organization who have seen synergy between these two teams for. Uh for at least a decade. Now, there have been people along the way who didn't see it all, and there was one meeting famously where I think some, you know, somebody got laughed out of the room for even suggesting it back when the team was worth 10 or 15% of what it's worth now. Uh, and I've heard all kinds of speculation about how good this can be for the business side of both these clubs and uh, the synergy, the amount of um, money and resources it could free up in selling sponsorships, selling tickets, food and beverage, uh, luxury suite. I mean, there's a whole list of stuff. How much of that stuff is overblown, and how much of that stuff do you see and, and see that as what you bring to the table? Um, you know, it's a good question. I think that there's definitely massive synergy. You don't, I mean, anyone can sit there and think through the synergies. And first of all, let's just, let's not talk financial or business side. Let's just talk community side. Every jazz fan should be an RSL fan and vice versa, right? They both have different fan groups. You know, I, I, I've gone around, God, the last two years and ask anyone anywhere, like, who's your NBA team? They say, no, it's like, I'm sending you a jazz shirt. Like, you're ours. <laughs> like, Will you be a Jazz fan? Yeah, right? We have so many people that have relocated to Utah, and it should be part of their welcome packet. Here's your Jazz sticker. Here's your RSL sticker. Come on. We're choosing your teams. Here it is. And they love it. They love being a part of something. And so I think from a community standpoint, um, that's the first thing that gets me excited is – they, there's there's a little bit of different seasoning going on. Um, it's it's a break. RSL is not playing as many games, um, and I think I think there's been a little bit of a I don't know if it's a scarcity mentality, but 
you know, I'll just give you one touch point. I mean, we played on New Year's Day here against the Warriors, and, you know, I, we were pretty sold out. I mean, the place was electric. But that exact same time, we probably had 50,000 fans down at the Road Bowl, right? And, and if you just think where Utah's come, that's that's pretty special. And so I think that there's a lot of synergies at being able to – have these two organizations tied. And, I mean, they're different organizations. We've kept them completely independent. Um, we do that on purpose. I think they'll both operate way better. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard. I mean, from, from jerseys and swag to, you know, food contracts. And there, there's a lot. There's a lot that can be done on the business side. And, but, but I'm much more excited about just the connection with the community and some of the things that are working well on both sides and, and just getting the community involved in sports because in a world where, Kyle, it feels like everything's just dividing us, um, you know, especially during COVID and other things, like people can go watch sports and, and forget about life for a while. And we all can agree on something as a community. And it, that's why I'm doing this um, truly is. I mean, I want to win and I'm super competitive and, you know, there's nothing I want more than championships for Utah. And if I can help try to bring that, then it's it's definitely worth it. But along the way, we, we've got to get our community involved. And I love where the jazz is going with that and how we're reaching out. And, um, you know, we started the Jazz Foundation, which is the one that's doing the scholarships. And, um, you know, the jazz have always had that spot in the community. So. I'm wondering for you, how much of a challenge is it to balance being an owner so you have to be fiscally responsible and all that type of stuff versus being a fan where you want the team to win and you may have connections to individuals that you may have to part with? Um, look, the NBA, for example, is, is a really unique spot right now. I would say over the last five years, the NBA looks very different than it's ever looked. You know, if you look at the ownership groups in the NBA, these these owners are not messing around. Um, if I look at the peer group out there, whether it's Balmer, it's Cuban, um, you know, I can just go group by group. Um, what you saw in Milwaukee, um, you know, it's not just a couple of ownership groups. Um, Brooklyn with Josai, they're they're in it to win it, and. You know, you've got you've got two teams this year that are further over the salary cap than all, and then the luxury tax than every team combined last year, which is crazy. Um, you know, with with Brooklyn and and you know the the Warriors, and so I think I think the ultimate goal is that we we really truly try to win and take this to the next level, and the Jazz are such a stable organization. I mean, um, and, and we want that stability, but it's also very, very difficult to go from, you know, good to great. Right. And, you know, a, a lot of the reason for, um, you know, I mean, wanting to tap Danny is because he's an individual that's been able to do that. And he's at a point in his career where there's not a lot of ego and he just wants to come in and help and he's here and, um, you know, you got one of the best basketball minds in the world who's 
had one of the most stable franchises and has more playoff wins than than anyone the last 15 years. And, you know, how do we get from good to great? And and we're there. And kind of never – you never know. Like, no one would have predicted what happened last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I like our guys. I like our spot. And it's um, – we're pretty fortunate. Um, I'm pretty fortunate to be a sports fan in Utah right now. Ryan Smith joining us, Jazz majority owner, and now he has a minority stake in Real Salt Lake as well. Uh, there were a lot of owners who took a big hit during COVID. Live events took a big hit. Do you feel like, and, and you probably know more because I think the commissioners and the owners have access to a lot of information, do you feel like that you're at the tail end of that right now? Do you feel like you're in the middle of it and financially you're still going to be battling this going forward? What do you... What do you think? Man, it's I feel like every time we feel like we're we're turning a corner, um this happens and it's it's a hard year for hard couple of years for for just so many people and there's so much suffering that's been going on, but um you know, I think we're learning is a is a society to kind of try to work through this and you know, I I love the idea of having people together. I mean, when we came out, you know, there's, I mean, we see the backlash when we say, Hey, you've got to be vaccinated. You've got to be tested in the arena and COVID's over. And then here we are today, right? Where we've got players who are testing positive. We're, we're up in Toronto tonight where the entire city shut down. And I'm just grateful for our fan base and our community for trying to do their part in keeping it open because, you know, we could very, very easily be in a spot where we don't have live events and that's just not good or sustainable for anyone. And so I think, um, you know, I appreciate Utah for, for kind of leaning in and, and trying to help get through it because it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, no one's been through this before and you know, it's hard and there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand. And so I think we're all just kind of leaning in together. And I think what Adam Silver just came out and did and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have to learn to play through this, whether it's 10 day contracts or whatever else, like the show's going to go on. Um, whereas, you know, and we were part of, I mean, we shut down the world not just the NBA, but the Utah Jazz. Like that was the tipping point to say, "Hey, look, we're in we're in Oklahoma City," and and um, everything kind of. Oh wow, this is serious. So we're taking a different approach, um, and and fortunately, um, we've been able to do it. But health and safety are our first priority, and and it's challenging, man. It, and it, it takes a toll on everyone. I mean, I would say the last two years in the NBA are are equivalent to five years. <laughs> and and you know coaching players like it's hard it is hard and you know the travel not knowing who's playing not knowing you know testing landing in a city at two in the morning and instead of going to bed it's you know wake up at six and test so you can get your test back it's it, it's a grind and it, and it truly has taken a toll on mental health and everything else and so everyone's just trying to get through it I think the biggest surprise for me, Ryan, is why aren't you in Maui with Tony? <laughs> oh man, I, I, 
You know, it's uh, it's caddy Mark's got to get back on the bag and get a little rhythm with him, <laughs> right? Like we want we want everyone to to feel good about where they stand. <laughs> but he, uh, look, I hope uh, we had a good little run there, man. I mean, on Saturday <laughs> it, it, in in uh, the Bahamas, like. We we got it going. That course is just super tough. The wind started coming, and Tony hit the ball so good. And you know, it was we had some serious warning track power that week, where we where where it was it was going. And even on even on Sunday on the weekend, like we we had a good chance to do it. But it was what an amazing experience. There's not a better human than Tony Finau. Um, you know, we played a lot of golf together. I. I've been in tournament play next to him and, you know, he called me and was just like, Hey, I need you. And I was like, all right. Uh, but I had no idea that we'd be racing into contention on Saturday. I was just trying to not lose clubs. And I mean, the first day, I think I lost like two head covers. And <laughs> didn't break. I, I was just, but it was, it was super funny because the next day we, we actually ended up playing with Patrick Reed and he's like, how many strokes did Ryan cost you? yesterday like man maybe one or two he's like oh great my caddy's normally four or five so i i felt better and you know but it's it's crazy to be out there yeah you basically had the Ryder cup out there with the top 20 players in the world and and um the top 20 caddies in the world and you know it's intimidating when you're sitting there and bones is next to you and you're trying to hey will you, will you grab the bunker or will you get yardage but but tony keeps it so cool it's what you see is what you get. He's probably one of the most chill humans in the world. And that's why he's so good at golf. Like he just, he can shake it off. And there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons there, man. I mean, on Sunday we played with Scotty Scheffler who triple bogeyed the third hole. And he's talking to me like nothing happened on the way over. And then he goes and rips off nine birdies in a row and takes second of the tournament. Wow. Nine birdies in the last 16, 15 holes. I'd never seen anything like it, and the twist why attitude in sports is so important. Um, but it was it was pretty cool. Well, you took the Bahamas, but you gave up Maui, so I guess you got to split the uh, split that stuff down the middle, right? Hey, I just I just go where they need me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Well, we know you got to go, so we got to let you go. I was going to say the press conference and uh, the media availability went. Uh, went really well yesterday. I know when the press conference is a temporary thing and then all the other stuff comes and you made a point about it's a multi-season commitment and journey and all that. The one thing I would add is when uh, when David Blitzer said the goal is to win the MLS Cup, for a big chunk of the longtime RSL fan base, the 2011 loss in the uh, Champions League final at home is the moment they want back. And so you can tell David, as much as everybody wants the MLS Cup, and they do, that moment to be the first MLS team to be the champion of the continent yeah. and to yeah, the yeah, credibility yeah. that comes with beating a team from Mexico. It's an intense rivalry, but everybody knows there's a lot of credibility to be had. If you were the first team to do that, you'll always be the first club to do that. So I don't know if he knew that piece of history. I know he's living overseas for a while and all that, but for the people who are in that stadium, that one still stinks. Yeah, was that in the last? It happened in the last a little bit, right? They, yeah, in 2011, they'd gone yeah. down there and drew, and they only needed a scoreless tie here. They gave up a goal, and they almost scored at the end, which would have bailed it out. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just pouring salt in the wound with all the details, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I was. We, we sat down with Ramondo and Beckerman and those guys last night, and they were. We went through the 
a lot of the the ins and outs of kind of their favorite moments. And look, I think I think uh, Blitz, like like I said, we're super lucky, and we're 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 kind of both just about the community and in it to in it to make people proud. And you know, sports are interesting. Like you can do everything you can, and and you win or you win the championship, you can do everything you can and it doesn't go that way. So I think the one thing that, that people can expect from us is that we're going to do everything we can. And, you know, you got to look at a little bit over time and, but Blitz, Blitz is sitting there watching hockey because he's a, he owns part of the devils while we're there. I mean, he's all in this guy loves sports. And so we're excited. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks guys. There's Ryan Smith with PKNI. When we come back, what is trending? A crazy final day of the NFL. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. We did it to ourselves. I feel like that's a winnable game for us. We shot ourselves in the foot with a few different things. You know, we get a turnover, turnover right back. We missed assignments. We knew where we needed to be. and We just weren't there every possession. When we competed, don't get me wrong, but, you know, we got to think the game too. I got lazy, didn't get over a screen. I got lazy, didn't miss the block out. Kiefer Sachs comes in and gets a lap like, so we didn't do it tonight. I know we're missing Joe and Rudy, so it's, it's, you can easily put it on that, but this is a winnable game for us. The fact that we didn't hurt and it's going to eat at us, but, you know, hopefully that fuels us for, for Detroit and the rest of this month because it's going to be tough. Jazz lose to the Pacers 125-113. No Rudy Gobert. The Pacers went straight to the rim, driving again and again. Sabonis ended up with a career-high 42 points. There just weren't enough stops there, PK. Not nearly enough. Just thinking about as I was watching this game, you know, Whitesides played so well. Man, they should give him more minutes. No. Now, how'd he look in both those games? I thought both Friday and Saturday he looked below average. Uh, those coaches know what they're doing, that's for sure. Jazz also lost in Toronto, 122-108. So they're now 2-2 two and two on the road trip. The fifth and final game is tonight in Detroit against the Pistons. The Pistons have eight wins and 30 losses. They are battling Orlando for last place in the East. Right now, Orlando's got it. Pistons are a game in front of them, but... Well, they already lost to Orlando. Yep. So it could happen. Jazz are signing Denzel Valentine to a 10-day deal to bolster their lineup. Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, still in COVID-19 health and safety protocols. They've been joined now by Rudy Gay and Elijah Hughes. So the Jazz will be missing three of their top nine players. Malik Fitz, right wrist, also currently being listed as out for tonight's game. Well, I would disagree with that. I don't think they're signing him to bolster their lineup. Maybe their roster. All right, bolster their roster. If he plays, I'd be very surprised. Played 22 games for Cleveland this year. Jazz and Magic tonight. You'll hear the pregame show at 4 o'clock. Tip-off is set at 5 o'clock right here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Curry picks up the dribble, feeds Porter. Porter chased out there by Allen. Penetrates out to Clay. 4-3. Got it! And once again, a standing ovation at Chase Center for Clay Thompson. 
12,000 career points now for Clay. Picked up by Juan. Two on two with Clay. Shovel to Clay. It's a three ball on the right side, and it's money. It's cold, hard cash for Clay Thompson. Morant crossed the floor for Tyus Jones as the Grizzlies will hang on for the eight point win. 127 119. Grizzlies make it a franchise record ninth straight victory tonight. Highlights from the NBA, the Warriors tied for the best record in the league again after beating Cleveland 96-82. Klay Thompson is back after more than two and a half years away for uh, injuries. And he came back shooting, PK. 17 points on 18 shots in 20 minutes. The highlight was him going to the hoop and dunking in traffic. Yeah, well, he got multiple standing ovations. He said, once again, your guy, he gets a standing ovation. Man, they were just... Passing out standing ovations like candy. You know Denzel Valentine's brother was in town last week? No. He coaches Loyola Chicago. Really? Yeah. There you go. Also, you heard the Grizzlies beat the Lakers 127-119. The highlight in that game was John Morant on a break, defending, running down, jumping, getting to the top of the box. Above the rim, 11 feet in the air, and grabbing a shot with two hands. Hit the backboard with it. Came down and headed off the other way. Playing on a trampoline. Also threw down an alley-oop with his elbows at the rim and had to duck at the last second so he didn't hit his nose on the rim. Grizzlies now right behind the Jazz in the NBA standings. They have closed that gap, and they are now just one game back of the Jazz, who are two and a half games back of the top spot. So it's no longer the big three in the West. Now the top four are all jumbled together up there. That's not what Locke says. You're going to have an argument with him on Friday. I look forward to that. (laughs) Remind me in case I forget. No, remind yourself. I ain't your secretary. Mavericks beat the Bulls 113-99, to and the Clippers take down the Hawks 106-93. Nets beat the Spurs at the buzzer in OT. Cam Thomas with the game winner for the Nets. little floater just inside the free throw line. Durant giving the ball up, making a basketball play, not being the hero at the end. I hate it when you work the night before. And Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> 27 <laughs> points and 22 rebounds for Washington. Wizards beat the Magic 102-100. A 20-20 game for Kyle Kuzma. Huge ball game. Memphis Grizzlies lose forward Dylan Brooks for three to five weeks. Left ankle sprain. He could be out until the All-Star break in mid-February while he rehabs the injury. And the Denver Nuggets are making a trade. Bowl bowl to the Pistons in exchange for Rodney Magruder and a 2022 second-round pick. Bowl bowl. Bol Bol has not cracked Denver's depleted lineup. I just want to say Bol Bol. DJ PK. Hashtag college basketball. Well, BYU beat St. Mary's. It wasn't pretty, but they got the win 52-43. St. Mary's went about 10 minutes without scoring. First no. one to 50, as Yacht tweets out. I thought it was first one to 10. It was yeah, 9 right. to 7. <laughs> you want to talk about a snooze fest? A long time. Anybody put the biscuit in the basket here? No. 7 of 33 when they got to 9 and, nine and 7 in that game. Shooting. Cougars improved to 14 and 3. They got Gonzaga and USF on the road coming up this week. Big so you week. don't think they're going to make the tournament, huh? I don't. 
70% chance as of yesterday. He says they're not going to make it. It's so hard for them to score, and they're missing the size. I think the combination of the two will get them. Just keep winning. I look forward to when we got Ken calm and we go through and we ask like 50 teams. What about them? What about them? What about them? What about them? <laughs> Utes lose to Washington State 77-61. That drops them to 500 on the year. They are 8-8. Eight and eight. Brandon Carlson was out. Appendicitis. He had surgery, so it'll be a while. And they are headed off to the Arizona schools. If they don't get ASU uh, um, first, then and after that, it's Arizona, UCLA, USC. It could it could be a long losing streak at that point. So, I mean, it's not like they're going anywhere anyway this yeah. year. You got to give Smith time to build it up. Utah State down 15 at the half at New Mexico. Gave up the first hoop, so it was 17 early in the second half. Then they come roaring back to beat the Lobos in overtime, 90 to 87. You watch any of that? That ended up being an entertaining game. Not a second. Sorry for Richard Patino. Threw in a half-court shot to win the game, but the Lobos had called timeout. But they won it in overtime anyway. Justin Bean played great. He's having a really good year. Told you he's the best player in the state. Yeah, he went uh, 21-11. And And you doubted me. I did at that point. You're right. Justin Bean Bryant is the best player in the state. UVU beat Dixie State, 79-71 in Orem. Bardaz Amac, 20 points, 17 rebounds. UVU improves to 11-4 on the year. 2D. That's my nickname for him. He's a double-double machine. 2D. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. A little 47-yarder. Cincinnati! Yeah, baby! Wow. What a football game. What a season. Five walk-off field goals for Daniel Carlson this year. That kicker needs a nickname. Let's give it to him. He's the Iceman. (laughs) Raiders beat the Chargers in overtime. The last game comes down to the last play, and it sends the Raiders and the Steelers to the playoffs and knocks the Chargers out. 35-32, 35-32, the Raiders finished the year with four straight wins by a total of 12 points. They just keep eking them out one week after another, and they are into the postseason. There were a lot of good games yesterday. You got a favorite? Anything stand out for you? That one. I would take Justin Herbert over any quarterback in the league, all things considered. So you're taking him over uh, some of the guys who won Super Bowls because he's younger and he's got more of a future? He's 23 years old. He doesn't turn 24 until two months from today. He can't even rent a car. Why do you take him over Burrow? That would seem to be, if you're going for good young quarterbacks, those would seem to be the two guys at the top of the list. Because I'm Pac-12 biased. Injury concerns. Injury concerns, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Uh Yuck. I'm just saying, he's got an ACL tear. He's had an ACL tear. Yeah, and you had one like 87 years ago, and you barely want to walk across the street. I walk across the street all the time. I resent that. Well, you don't skip, though. <sighs> Not anymore. Right. Not since I tore my ACL. Aside from skiing and basketball, what time do I do because of the ACL? Tennis. Rugby. <laughs> I've never played rugby. It got me there. <laughs> I mean, there's like a million things you don't do. <laughs> uh, I played tennis, though. Not anymore. 
My t- well, my tennis play. My tennis partner left tennis. I play I'm tennis, here, give me but a call. not anymore. I don't play tennis. <laughs> what did you just do? I got no one to play tennis with. It's not because of my knee. And go ahead and it, bang it against the wall. Come on. Come on. You want to play tennis? You go to tennis league. Just because uh, mama somebody died doesn't mean you have to stop playing. Well, I gave That's up the my dumbest thing I've ever heard. I gave up my tennis time to play golf with you. <laughs> You ask me things you don't do. I named three of them not right because, off the bat. Not because of my knee. That's what I don't because of my knee. You didn't say that. You know it was implied. That's what we were talking about. Niners were down 17-0. Their season was over. They were going to lose and get knocked out. Yox got his Niners shirt on today. Yes, I do. And the Niners come back to tie it at 17 and at 24 to get to overtime and win at 27-24. They beat the Rams. Six straight wins against the Rams. They own those guys. So the Niners are into the postseason. The Colts could have been like the Raiders and like the Niners and punched their ticket to the playoffs. But a complete stinker of a performance. They lose to Jacksonville 26-11. to They give up an opening touchdown on the opening drive and trail the rest of the game. Carson Wentz, two interceptions and a fumble. He was bad. The defense was bad. It was a lifeless performance by the Colts, and they lose. Steelers are in, 16-13 over the Ravens. Tyler Huntley throwing an end zone interception on the first play of the fourth quarter. Looked like the Ravens were going to go up two scores. Certainly kick a field goal and go up by seven. That was a big play in that one. Yeah, it was a bad pass. Yeah, threw it a little late. Looked like it was there for a second, but you throw it late, it's going to get picked. And it got picked. The Titans flirted with disaster like the Ravens and the Colts, but they beat the Texans 28-25. They had a 21-0 lead. Texans came rolling back, but they got a late TD to push the lead back to 10. Ryan Tannehill tallies four touchdowns, and Tennessee is the one seed in the AFC. Kansas City will be the two seed. Wildcard weekend is all set, and today we're waiting to see which coaches get fired. The Broncos lost on Saturday, so they got a head start. They fired Vic Fangio yesterday, so that's three jobs in the NFL that are open right now. Who are the other two? Uh, Urban Meyer out in Jacksonville and the Raiders, who ultimately maybe go with the interim, but they haven't announced anything. Oh, Jim Harbaugh, man. Some breaking news. Oh, what do we got? We got a fourth? Joe Judge. Mike Zimmer from the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know about your job either, buddy. Uh, Thank you. That's what he said to the guy who asked him. I don't know about your job status. Vikings, Broncos, Raiders, Jaguars. There you go. Four jobs open now. Judge in New York with the Giants is probably the next one to uh, the next one to look at. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. One national champion crown, North Dakota State blows out Montana State 38 to 10 to win the FCS national title for the ninth time in 11 years. College football playoff title game is tonight. Alabama and Georgia kickoff at 6 o'clock on the ESPN family of networks. They'll have multiple broadcasts and all that kind of stuff. So pick your favorite one there. I just Ge- watch ESPN. Yeah, I know. I watch the normal broadcast too. Georgia, a two-and-a-half point favorite over Alabama, despite the fact they were just thrashed by Alabama in the SEC title game. Interesting. Yeah. All right, we've got a question of the day coming up. We will get to that in just a minute. Get your thoughts. Uh, many of you not all that thrilled with this game. We'll get to that on the way. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. 
There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Time now to bring in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, New Year, but a familiar problem for some guys. Yeah, <laughs> this is a familiar problem. If you're out there a little frustrated in the bedroom, uh, maybe experiencing some ED, Wasatch Medical, as I'm sure men have heard us talk about, has helped a lot of guys with our acoustic wave therapy. This is basically a technology, so we're not talking about a pill here. The technology puts out pressure waves. The pressure waves open up and regrow the blood vessels. ED uh, typically is caused by damaged blood vessels. That's what we correct. And at the end of the day, improve circulation enough, we can finally get rid of ED at its core. You talk to the patients, and you've been on the air for years. You've been talking to patients for years. Does the feedback remain consistent? Yeah, the feedback has been consistent. It typically is. I was hesitant to come in. I finally did. The treatments were easier than I thought. And at first, I took less pill. Then I took no pill. And I was able to turn back the clock in the bedroom. And the relationship is what benefited. ED, it has this far-reaching ripple effect on life in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom. So it's a great thing when we finally get it fixed. And now you've got a special deal for the listeners who called today. You always come on with the deal. Yes, we really believe in delivering a lot of value. Uh, If you are interested in getting your ED taken care of or maybe just have questions or just want to improve performance, call us. Uh, We are answering phones this early, by the way. The exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound with our MD, it's free. The gift that produces immediate results, you'll love that. And uh, this is quite valuable. Blood work and testosterone, that's free as well. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now to qualify at 801-901-8000. Get that free deal right now at 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, the number is 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time now for Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res' patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets, and a spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376 or booking online at zeroresaltlake.com. Or if you're up north, at zeroresdavisweber.com. Got a couple questions for you to ponder this morning. One of them tonight, Alabama, Georgia, the national title game. What is your level of interest Benjamin, it's the only bowl game that really matters, and I'm not a fan of either team. 
Nothing else matters. Not even the semis. It got him here. So how, how many games, how many teams are you a fan of? I mean, because if you're only watching games that you're a fan of, man, you got to be a lot of fandom there. I disagree. It's the only game that, that really matters. Other games matter. Look like they matter to the players who were jumping around. Look like they matter to all the fans who tuned in. All games matter. What games don't matter? Everything matters to somebody. Might not matter to you. A lot of people aren't interested in this game. What's your level of interest? Rob, none. Ron, none. Josh, none. Won't even turn it on. Oh, he's full of crap. (laughs) Jeremy, none. I'm really getting sick of the SEC Invitational. I agree on that. I do too, but doesn't this one feel a little different? Like these are the two best teams as opposed to other years when... Ohio State or Oklahoma, maybe. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. What's what's the difference from any other year? They spend the most money, they win. They demand everything about their fandom and their fan base demands that you're in this position. When so at all costs. So you're no getting excuses. what you paid for. I mean, it's this is what the whole goal is for the top teams at this conference. Everybody else, not everybody, but certainly the Pac-12, it talks a game, but it's not... Not really true. We'll see if it changes. Under my man George. But that's all it is. It's just talk. BYU does that too, you know. We do more with less. And like it's a badge of honor. We're cheap and yet we still can get nine, ten wins. Okay, that's great. But you ain't going to sniff this. Not even close. No. You're really not. You're going to have to come up with a gazillion dollars for your coaching staff, for your recruiting budget, and now for name, image, and likeness. And they don't want to do that. And that's fine if you don't want to do that. I don't have any problem you don't want to do that. But it's going to lead to Alabama and Georgia playing in more national titles. Because games. they want to do it. And that's what they're going to do. And they're going to do everything in their power. Just like how Michael was not going to let Kay take the kids. (laughs) He was going to do everything in his power to prevent it. Don't you know that? I do. I've seen that scene a few times. So until you reach that moment, and guess who got the kids? Michael. Yeah. Because he was going to do everything in his power. And it wasn't talk. It was literal. It was real. That was real life. It was a movie, but okay. In a sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's real life on a holiday weekend on AMC. (laughs) But until you get to that point, you're not going to achieve that. Because you're not going to fluke your way there or luck your way there. So we're supposed to penalize these teams with disinterest because they're doing everything they can to get to that point. And somehow... It's not right, it's slanted, it's unfair, and all these things that don't exist in real life. Fairness is one of the dumbest definitions I've ever heard of. There's no such thing as fairness. Stop already. It's like being too lazy. It's impossible to be too lazy. (laughs) (laughs) What is the definition of too lazy? 
There is none. Because whatever it's you never say, been achieved. Whatever you say is lazy, I can give you lazier, <laughs> right, and that right. hasn't been achieved. And we just keep going back and forth, back to your tennis days. It's a shame your partner passed, or else you would know. He didn't pass. And you went skiing. When the hell was the last time you went skiing? You could right. have two healthy knees, you could have two knee right. replacements, and you never go skiing. Right before I tore my ACL. When's the time before that? <laughs> <laughs> Probably when I went to Reno to visit my aunt and uncle, because we always went skiing when we did that. <laughs> so, I get it. There was this level of boredom with the same teams. But at the same time, until you make that commitment, you're not going to be there. So, I'm supposed to criticize them for Nick Saban and his dour sideline demeanor? Because it's all about winning, and if you're not interested in winning... High achievers don't like low achievers. I mean, we've all seen these speeches that he gives. But until you get to that level of commitment from everybody involved, I'm supposed to penalize them? Scott says it's football and it's a championship. Anyone not interested doesn't care about football. That's not true. I get the folks who don't care, but you have to investigate as to why you don't care. And instead of pointing the finger at them, point the finger at yourselves. Okay, you got to you got to explain that to me. What? Point the finger at yourselves. Yeah. Oh, well, you're saying because as a Uter Cougar fan, your team or your conference, I mean soon to be the Big 12, they're not playing in the Taking the Big 12 as being we'll conference. Pac-12. Pac-12 for now. We'll Pac-12 for now. I mean, I don't know enough about the Big 12 yet to make those statements. I can assume, but I don't really know. Because I haven't been the way I've been in every Pac-12 stadium for years and years and years. And know each fan base intimately like I do. There's going to be a lot of catch-up being played. And it's going to take a while. To learn about the Baylor fan base. Just as the deep knowledge that we have of the Pac-12. And listening to their athletic directors speak. We have a comprehensive athletic program. Great. <laughs> Great. That's but it's why not you're gonna, not going to be anywhere It's not going to help you beat Alabama or Georgia. Right. You know, good for you. And that's, you're selling what you can sell. I, I get it. That's what you can sell. So... See, are you really going to like great. it, though, Am I like if, if the Pac-12 goes all in to get into this game and then to win this game? Because Oregon is the one that's kind of behaved like that. I mean, they've thrown a lot of money at stuff. Phil's written a lot and of checks. they've been there. Right. BCS title game, but still, they've been there. Auburn got them right at the end. When but it turns you really off. going to like it. But it turns you off. Yeah, because my school isn't doing it. If Phil Knight took up residence in the debt, and I'd be like that one dude who... If always, Phil Knight loved ASU, you'd love Phil Knight? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's all about winning. Who's the one dude who always tweets in, writes on your Facebook, and then said, oh, it was a miracle they even won a ball game this year because we had 14 quarterbacks and each had a toe missing. Who's the, the guy? I mean, he... he you know him. He, you always say, oh, he's a resident Oregon fan. You read his... Oh, oh Devin. Yes. Yeah. Yes, got it. Devin. Right. So, does he mind it? I mean, No, it, no, Devin doesn't. Devin embraces it. Right. 
I mean, it's ridiculous, but that's what it takes. It's not about academics and the sociology majors. Who gives a rat's behind about that? That doesn't really have any impact on getting into the playoff and winning once you get there. Yeah, and your land-grant research. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the state set aside land 140 years ago. What crap does that, that have to do with? Cares? What does that have to do with third and five? Yeah. Mm, nothing. I mean, I don't know. Is that good or bad if you're a land grant? You're, so you can't get in or you're supposed to get in? I, I don't even know. I don't even know which side. It's like uh, my sister. She's a big liberal. Did you hear so-and-so? No. I don't even What side? And then if she criticizes him, oh, okay, I get it. He's a Republican. I mean, I don't even but know. You need some frame of reference. One time you she need, told me, you need her. Do you believe what Jim Jordan said? I said, who is Jim Jordan? I've got no clue who Jim Jordan is. And what difference does it make for me who Jim <laughs> Jordan is? Well, I found out he was a conservative, so he's a bad dude. He's a former wrestler. Yeah, I got all that. Oh, you know, so you right do know that. Right after Jim. she told me about it. <laughs> I didn't know she told time, you the wrestling. I didn't know anything. I gave you the sports thing. She already gave it to you. Fine. I knew nothing until she brought it up. I've since known, but at the time, I had no clue who he was. Michael's younger brother? <laughs> Literally no idea. And it's the same thing here. Land grant. Is that good or bad? I don't even know. What are you supposed to be? I, I, I'm not even sure. I don't know what's going on here. But all I know is, and I've been to those places there. I've been to Alabama. And I know what it's about. And they're all in as much as you could possibly be. So I'm supposed to criticize them for being all in? Like Devin. He's supposed to criticize Phil Knight for just opening up his enormous bank accounts and just doling out incredible amounts of money? Pouring that Nike money into the Eugene campus. I mean, sure, they were bought and sold and paid for. I get it, but that's the way it is. And until you want to do that, you're not going to get there. It's not really the whole SEC either. There's a few teams in the SEC that are all in. Missouri and South Carolina are are not all in. Vanderbilt certainly isn't. I don't know if they're all in or not. I, you can just judge them by their records. Vanderbilt's academics are never going to allow it. Yeah. So they, I don't know that they're not all in. Just because you're all in doesn't mean you're going to win it all the time. You're going to be there all the time. So I don't, I don't know. whether. But you would be there at some point if you were all in and in the SEC. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that because if it reaches a certain ma- a level of financial, well, to your point, now I'm going to argue. I meet that, yeah. then, I'm, then I'm in. No, now, no now I'm going to argue with myself. Texas A&M would be your best example because I think they're all in and they have not been there. I mean, you got to get the right people and you got to get it rolling. And once you get it rolling, it seems like it's unstoppable. Well, that's why they went and got Fisher from Florida State, and that was an all-in kind of move. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Alabama, Georgia, and I think Auburn, LSU, and Florida. Now, they don't always have the right people. They're not always there. But when they do get the right people, they get there. I think those five carry the banner for the SEC, and everybody else is along for the ride at different levels. You've got to get as many NFL players as you possibly can. True story. And then... You can develop them, or you can find the guys that are no-brainers and everybody knows. But you got to have them. You definitely have to have them across the offensive and defensive line. And then you've got to be top-level NFL guys, too. 
not the seventh round draft pick. Give me the first and second round draft picks. Well, bigger, stronger, yeah. faster. Most likely doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but most likely, yeah, you've got to you've got to get those guys, and you got to do whatever it takes to get those guys. And until you do, do that, it's going to be fun. It's, it's it's not like it takes away. See, I've accepted the Pac-12's lot in life, and I still have fun with it. So have fun in this group. Yeah, and I do. And don't worry about you're not catching Alabama and Georgia. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I have fun with it. I'm all the people tailgating at Ute games this year. Same deal. Yeah, all it was fun to be in Pasadena. All the people who've ridden the wave with BYU the last couple of years. Same deal. Sure. Aggie fans stunned by the sudden turnaround with a new coach. That was awesome. They had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't take away from. <clears throat> Where they were, but if you're going to step back and put it on that level, you're not competing at that level. But so what? It's not like you can't have fun over here enjoying it on our side of the country. I think you can. It's just that it's not the ultimate. The ultimate is over there. I'm okay with it. You know, we, we don't have just that insatiable desire to do anything possible. And, and things are, are slanted against you. I mean, we are in Utah, and they've done a phenomenal job for being in Utah, but it's not like it's a hotbed and you can recruit 25 NFL players and still teach your kid to hit the curveball. But I never heard how he did, so he must have sucked hitting the curveball. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Urban Meyer quotes people. Yeah, and so in that part of the country... It's just crazy. And there's so much talent. And the population, I mean, we don't want to say it because, you know, we start to get into things that make us uncomfortable here. But there's way more folks of the ilk that are going to be really good football players than we have over here. And so it's harder. And now with these games, with television being such a big deal, television has actually set back the Pac-12. Not advanced the cause. It's reduced the cause. It has. But they sold their souls for the money, and I would do too. I mean, they're trying to make the best of it. If they didn't sell their souls for money, TV still would have set them back. Probably. I mean, we know, you know, for years and years, I know it's changed or it's going to change, but CBS at 1.30, you're getting SEC. It's a big, big deal. And now you're going to get Big Ten. And they changed it up a little bit. But still, it's always going to be slanted towards them. The time difference. I believe football was meant largely to be played in the day. I think all outdoor sports should be played as much as possible under the sun. But that's an old relic that's never going to change. I mean, and, and who am I? I'm sitting here at 1130 at night thinking, oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, I want to watch one more football game. Yeah, well, then somebody has to play at night, yeah. and then that makes it too late on the East Coast. Yeah. But I don't live back there. And I, gosh, if I lived back there, I probably wouldn't know jack about the Pac-12. It's hard moving even one time zone. It's been harder to follow California teams here. And it's my job, and I don't really get paid to do it. You get paid to follow Utah teams. Mm. But if one hour is a little bit of a problem, then what is three? Not on Saturdays. It's fine for me. You just go to bed one after they're over. But Sure. So there, there's certain there's a ton of stuff that's conspiring against our side. But what are you going to do? 
There's not much you can do about it. And it's not... I, I, I applaud George Klyovkov for trying. You know, you said years ago about the Devils. Well, they get to go to the Sun Bowl. I mean, he's from a San Diego State fan, and he says, you're going to go to the Sun Bowl? And you just said it so dismissively, and you're a San Diego State fan. I mean, dude, all. face, mirror, look into it. You're going nowhere. The Sun Bowl would be orgasmic for you. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Gonna... That was more than anybody needed on the drive to work. Well, it's the truth, and you dismiss the Sun Bowl. Who are you to dismiss the Sun Bowl? Average sports fan. <laughs> Most teams can't get to the Sun Bowl. Right. Sun Bowl. Sun Bowl. But you, you try. So you try. The Utes will get back on the horse, so to speak, and try it again next year. And maybe they get in. You, it's, I applaud Klyovkov for trying and identifying the weaknesses and the negatives and the low points and trying to make them into strong points. Right? Try to do what you can do. Don't give up. That's not the answer. Don't ever give up. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Fanabla. Best part. <laughs> it, well, it cracks me up every time. I grew up with family saying Fanabla all the time. Uh, so you keep trying, and maybe they'll get through. Who's to say? I mean, I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to get under people's skin, but BYU has a national championship. 1984. Got the hardware. Do they not? They do. (laughs) I was just reading a story the other day. Someone said, all the problems we have now are all because BYU won it all and people got jealous. They weren't in a league that was supposed to win it all. And immediately people... In the leagues that were supposed to win it all, sat around and started thinking, how do we make sure this never well, happens again? What problems? Who has problems? <clears throat> the people who are jealous. The SEC, the Big Ten, and the leagues with power. Well, I, mean, I know, but you said they started all the problems. What did you say? Oh, because what, it, was what people complaining about our, it was people complaining about the current playoff system. And it was a story about four, you know, and should they go to eight or 12? And remember when they were two and they're going to go to four? And that was going to make everybody love the postseason. And people have been complaining about the postseason forever. And really, they started complaining about the postseason when BYU won it all in 84. Well, they shouldn't have been able to win it all. And then they immediately, it took about a decade, but they came up with the alliance. And then they've been tweaking it ever since. Sure, but I don't know if those are problems. It didn't seem like the current playoff system was a problem around noon in Pasadena, California on January 1st. <laughs> it, didn't, it really didn't look like it. No. <laughs> right. And if that's, that's the best you can do, that's still pretty good, isn't it? It is. It was a good time. People traveled there. They spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of emotion. And they came back and they told us, the, uh, well, it wouldn't have been the second because it was a Saturday game. So on the morning of the third, it's pretty much unanimous. That was awesome. Yeah. There right. was, I didn't, we didn't get a lot of complaining. We had a lot of people on social media. Jake was laughing at us because we opened the phones old school. And after he got done making fun of us, then he goes, it was kind of cool. Those people were pumped. Yeah. They were yeah, pretty yeah. happy. Like, yeah, that was the only way to really hear the joy in their voice was to put their voice on the air. Jake who? Scott. Oh, I, people might have thought our Jake. I'm yuck. I know. Okay. I wasn't sure. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, you know where Jake Scott can go. <laughs> that is basically what I told and him. here we go. <laughs> That's basically what I told him. <laughs> Josh says, 
I don't think anyone can even think about watching Alabama and Georgia when we are still in awe of the greatest Rose Bowl ever played. <laughs> Two exclamation points. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think it is the greatest Rose Bowl ever, but it was was an awesome Rose Bowl. It was awesome. But you got that whole USC-Texas thing hanging out there with two undefeated teams. Shoot. Went back and forth and went right down to the end. Yeah, that was, I mean, that game, you'd like to complain about that game, but that was a very good game. Oh, poop. That's the best college football (laughs) game I have ever seen with my own eyes. Yeah. With your own eyes? Yes. You like Rudy's dad? You like Rudy? Got to be half blubbering when you say it, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ PK coming up this morning. Bill Bender, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. And we will break down the big game tonight. Coming up next, your reaction to the Utah Jazz and an eventful weekend. It wasn't so good. Brian Flores out in Miami. And Chicago has fired their coach. Matt Nagy is out. So, and their GM. So what are we up to? Is that six? We're up to six coaches, two GMs. Man, Urban's got a chance. <laughs> he does not have a chance. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, your reaction to a bad weekend for the Jazz, and we'll see if another NFL coach gets fired. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's that's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. It's a new year and time for a new you. Davis Vision can help you ditch those glasses or contacts with LASIK. Schedule your free consultation today and save $1,000. Call Robin today at 801-253-3080 or visit davisvisionmd.com and make sure you tell them The Zone sent you. Question of the day, part two. How much of these last two losses prove Rudy Gobert's value? A lot. Dustin says, if it isn't obvious, you don't know basketball. I don't know basketball. Two things I don't know, basketball and soccer. Oops. Especially now. Crap. (laughs) I'm doomed. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, there's nobody uh, on this team that comes close to replacing Gobert. You can find offense. But you can't find what he has. I'm watching Sabonis go like his father must have been. I got so sick hearing that. Oh, you should have seen him. Eh, well, I didn't. That's <laughs> to get over it. <laughs> I know. He was. Oh, well, yeah. if he'd been on TV in 1985, <laughs> I'd have watched him. I oh, have. Yeah. Well, he came over here. He was a shell of himself. This is people want to tell you stuff. They want to. I know more than you. Big deal. I didn't care. What difference does it make? He's not in Europe, and he's not 27. He's playing for the Blazers at 35. And that's all that matters. It's not like they get 10 extra points. Well, so, uh, if Arvidas would have been healthy, he would have scored 10 extra points. So let's give him 10 extra points. I used to, I, I throw stuff at the television. I hated that. They said it ad nauseum, and it drove me nuts. But watch his, his son go for 42. It was just irritating because he's a good player. I'll give him that. I love the fact that I saw him 
years ago at the West Coast Conference Final, working on his footwork for 20 minutes before the game under a bucket without a basketball. He's just going and doing these things. Oh, it's so repetitive. It's like, wax on, wax off. I mean, he's just over and over, these menial things he was doing. And then so it was cool to see him uh, to, to do that. But the Jazz had no answer, obviously. And they did, but he wasn't there. I think what it's come down for me now is the, the regular season tends to be somewhat monotonous and long-suffering till you get to the playoffs, and the playoffs are awesome. But I think that now more than ever because of the fact of guys coming in and out of protocols. You know what I mean? You're really shaking your head because yeah. the matchup one night. Yeah, it's... Uh, Toronto, it was... It actually was fun to watch. It was predictable that an NBA guy would look around and, man, I'm not losing these G League and Summer League guys. <laughs> and Van Vliet went off. Which, if you're a hardcore jazz fan, was disappointing. But if you just like basketball, it's kind of entertaining. Mm, yeah, I don't know. He was hitting shots from yeah. everywhere. And nobody like, was like, there to see it. No, that was weird. This is, this is the world we live in. I and mean, can you imagine last week if you would have paid money and living in New Orleans? Hey, son, you want to go see Stephen Curry? And then you want to go see play. Draymond Green? <laughs> and then they don't even play. They don't play. Yep. Yeah. And they're not coming in that often. Once, right. maybe twice a year. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt right now from Wasatch Medical. And Andrew, you got clinical studies behind your technology. I can remember when you were coming on and saying, we have like 20 studies. And then you said, mm-hmm. we have 30 studies. We have 40 st- How many studies do you have now? Yeah, that's right. We have over 50 now, third-party studies. Uh, they really um, study our exact technology, so that's important. They say this treats the root cause problem of ED, the acoustic wave therapy. This repairs blood vessels. It's uh, universities, hospitals, multiple journals that have studied this now. And you're right. More and more keep coming out. The evidence is so sound. And basically, here's the message. If you want more blood flow in the bedroom, if you want less or no pills, if you want to turn back the clock and restore spontaneity, That is exactly what we do at Wasatch Medical. We've helped a lot of guys, and young and old, who doesn't want more blood flow? That's a great thing, ultimately, for the relationship. So you've got all this science, but that's not why people are coming in. They're not coming in because they doubt the science. They're not coming in because they don't want to be embarrassed. Right. Yeah, there, uh, there is a little bit of a stigma out there. And men with ED, they say 70% of them do not seek treatment. Uh, you can have this resolved in two or three weeks. That's a pretty short window. You'll need just a few 10-minute sessions. And we do hear over and over again, I was more comfortable than I thought. That wasn't as bad as I thought. And, of course, the results have been worth it. You got a special offer right now. If people want to save some money... Tell them what they have to do. Yes, guys, if you're finally ready to put a stop to your ED or you just want to improve things, prefer, uh, improve performance, we do a lot of that. Give us a call this morning. The exam assessment and blood flow ultrasound, it's free. That's with the medical doctor. Uh, the gift that produces immediate results, you'll love that. And this is really cool and valuable. Blood work and testosterone. If you're feeling a little lethargic, that's free as well. Call right now, 801-901-8000. Ask for the special offer. 
that Andrew just told you about. It's 801-901-8000. You call now. You can save some money. Call the Wasatch Medical Clinic and regain your love life right now at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Bill Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy a Bill Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Bill Bar. Time to welcome in Bill Bender right now, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. He is here to talk about the title game, Georgia and Alabama. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. How satisfying do you find it to have a rematch of the SEC title game basically a month later to decide the national title? Does it bug you at all, or it is what it is, and these are the two best teams, so live with it? I'm kind of on the latter. I mean, it's, it's you know, maybe it's not enticing to the entire country, but um, they are the two best teams. They are the two most talented teams. There's four and five star talent all over the place, and it's not like Cincinnati and Michigan didn't have a chance. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it'll be a fun game. I, I, I get, but I mean, I get why there's a call for expansion. It's just that college football's not like the NFL playoffs. They, it's still a regional sport at heart. It seems like I want to say that I expect Alabama in a blowout, but I hope not. Uh, what do you think? No, I think this one will be closer. I think Georgia kind of, there's some key injuries for um, Alabama, obviously, not having John Mechie in this matchup, not having some defensive backs. There's the revenge factor for Georgia. I mean, they, they looked angry against Michigan, don't you think? Um, so uh, I think they'll come ready to play, and I, I think it's going to add up to a game that's a little bit like the last time they played in the uh, college football championship, which was, you know, for all the complaints about two SEC teams then, it was one of the best games. We saw Alabama lose to Texas A&M, and we saw them escape against Auburn. They were so close to being beaten, not in the SEC title game, not in the playoff, but they escape. And then how does Nick Saban do it? Because the team that played in the SEC title game, the team that played in the semi, didn't look anything like the team that played in the rivalry game. Is it as easy as it was the rivalry game? I think so. And, uh, you know, I, Auburn was up for them. It was LSU had their chances. Arkansas had their chances. Um, you know, it, it, it it's going to be really tight in some ways. So, um <sighs> But then he turns around and, and, you know, obviously the blowout win against Georgia. Now he's a genius. And they just find a way to adapt. And they find a way to adapt, not just on the field, but with NIL, with the transfer portal, with everything that comes with that. Um, He's an amazing coach. And, you know, I know we all try to find imperfection in Alabama, but it's really hard to spot. I talked to you a little bit about Pac-12. George Kalofkoff obviously has been the commissioner now for uh, several months. And one of the things that I like, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you listen to him, where he's basically addressing what the Pac-12 needs to do and acknowledging their problems, whereas maybe the predecessor wanted to paint everything as uh, sunshine all the time. So I don't know if they can do it. But at least I think it's a good start that he's willing to say, we've got problems A, B, and C, and here's what we need to do. Whether they can do it or not remains to be seen. But when you say it's a good idea to at least publicly acknowledge them and maybe that's where you can get going? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a lot to that. And, you know, obviously, um, a long way to go. But, um, you know, college football is just, 
and not to get off on a tangent, but it's just it's such an interesting sport to me. It's um, because we all want what's next, you know. And I know I'm sitting out of playoff the the playoff expansion meeting right now, right? So everybody wants to complain about four. So if we go to twelve, what do you guys think will happen next? I think people would be calling for sixteen, and all of this is happening. And can can you guys imagine that something like this happening during the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like they were going to change the playoffs during the Super Bowl. <laughs> you don't want to take – like my point being that you, you don't want to take it away from the game. But, I mean, college football just works a little bit differently. It works a little bit differently, but we can't help but compare it to the NFL. And you just did, and that was funny. Obviously, if they go to 12, more teams are going to think they have a chance. But Alabama and Georgia – smoked people in the semis, so I think in a bigger playoff, they get buys, then they smoke people in the quarterfinals, then they smoke people in the semis, and we still end up in the same place. But maybe it entertains us in the same way that the Chargers and Raiders played a really entertaining Sunday night football game, and we don't think either one of them are going to win at all, but it was still entertaining. So is that the argument for the 12-team playoff? Maybe, and here's my point. So we're the, the edge the NFL has on college football, and I and I do a little bit of NFL stuff for us too. I'm actually fleshing out wild card picks right now. Um, the they can sell any conference championship game, and we're going to eat it up. And I mean that by if Tampa Bay's playing New England, we're we're all in. If Dallas is playing uh, the Chargers in the Super Bowl. We're all in. And it doesn't matter what part of the country it is. And I think that's the hard part with college football is, you know, when, when Utah's playing, if Utah Ohio State was the semifinal, there's no question that game, as entertaining as the Rose Bowl was, right, um, the semifinal would be that much better. And that's what I think. Michigan State Pitt, how many more people are watching that? And Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett are playing. That's what they need. And the NFL is showing you how to do it. And the NFL's been doing it pretty well for a long time. A lot of stuff is driven by TV ratings, right? But then we find the Rose Bowl has outstanding TV ratings. And you think that the guys who sat out for Ohio State got such publicity. And Herb Street talked about it multiple times, including the morning of, right? And it seemed like it was a big controversy at the time. But then you look at the ratings of the game, and maybe it's because of the Rose Bowl where it's a singular game at that time. Tradition has remained the same. I'm just wondering if the watered-down nature of these supposed uh, watered-down nature, if you even believe it, uh, of these guys sitting out has created less drama. Can that drive uh, more of an issue towards the playoff? But at the same time, the Rose Bowl had fantastic ratings with these four pronounced guys sitting out. Well, I mean, there's no easy answer. I guess that's the hard part is there's not a college football until we have some clarity. I mean, who knows? They could expand – the playoff, and what do you do with the other bowls? The guys are still going to sit out. Um, now there's 40, 42, 42 bowl games, and okay, and then we're only going to say that six of them matter now. So guys will still sit out. Um, you know, there's no. I I kind of went with the line that you know you never blame a kid for sitting out, but I'll also never blame a kid like Matt Corral for stepping in and playing in the game. So because that's what he wants to do. It's his decision. It's not. My decision, it's not Twitter's decision to tell a kid what to do or not to do. And Twitter thinks they can make a lot of people's decisions. They don't make mine. 
Uh, do you think Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan to go to the NFL? The Bears job is open now. There's a half dozen jobs opening, and that number may go up. Do you think he's taking, whether it's the Bears, the Raiders, or something else, is Harbaugh leaving Michigan with the Big Ten title in his back pocket? I mean, maybe. I think the interest is there, and he'll entertain it. That's a Raiders call. But the thing is, it gets tricky. Timelines are tricky. The Raiders, uh, Raiders just made a playoff game. And what if they beat the Bengals? Then what? Um, yeah, I think with you – know, I just read a tweet that Miami's not going to hire him, which that would have been another one we link him to, or the Bears. But to me, if you ask me this honest question, and it says in five years – Will Michigan play for a national championship with Harbaugh, or could Harbaugh lead a team to the Super Bowl? I, I would probably pick the latter, and I wonder if he's thinking that way. <clears throat> How long do you think Nick Saban keeps doing this? He just turned seventy and doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. I mean, as long as he wants, and at, they'll be set up for success as long as he wants to coach. Um, yeah, I think the contract through twenty twenty seven. And that's that's a dooming thing for the rest of college football if you know that Nick Saban might be around for five more years because you know they're going to be in the hunt for five more years. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only comparison I can make is, and I'm not old enough, so I was talking to some people that do remember it, it is a lot like Wooden at UCLA when they just won it every year in the 70s. And maybe it's not fun for everybody else, but I I can assure you it's fun in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) So... He said that, uh, you know, NIL, it's going to make it lopsided. And back to Twitter. Twitter took it as he was complaining about NIL. And I think he doesn't think NIL is great for competition. But I also think, I thought when I first heard it, he thinks he's going to win even more and even more lopsided. Because basically he's only, air quotes, only winning the title once every other year. Does he think NIL will help him win three out of four? It might. And I think the transfer portal is helping them the most. And I know we've made all these comparisons to the NFL, but yet I would say that the transfer portal has made college football a little bit like the Major League Baseball. And Alabama, remember when the Yankees used to sign everybody and anybody and there's nothing you could do about it? Um, you know, they got Jameer Gibbs. They got Eli Ricks, the LSU corner. They, they are going to get whoever they want in the transfer portal because it's Alabama and recruits know that, you know, that's the quickest path to the NFL. So I think that more than anything, more than NIL to me is going to help keep this dynasty going. Well, Bill, we know you got to run. It's a busy day. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you again. Hey, thanks for fitting me in guys. I appreciate you. Have a good day. Bill Bender, national college football writer for the sporting news. Nick's not complaining. He's going to win even more, and he knows people yes, are complaining about it. He's always complaining. <laughs> he's not always complaining. Seems like it. <laughs> Does. <laughs> but he's not always complaining. <laughs> he wasn't complaining after the semifinal. Or he certainly wasn't complaining after the SEC title game. Uh, you don't know that. He found <laughs> something. That's his edge, man. And it works. I hold nothing against the guy. I, I know that when you win so much... People get tired of it for sure, and then they end up disliking you. I can honestly say I have no ill will. Nothing that Saban does bothers me. Nothing. What about his complaining? That's his edge. You've complained about his complaining. That's what works for him, though. 
you know, those ass chewings that he's talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah. It seems ridiculous to do it to somebody like Lane Kiffin. But that's but, the difference but, between winning three titles and winning six. Yeah. I, I really believe that. The, the details matter, and he goes nuts about the details because they matter, and it's hard to hear that when you're winning to go to 9-0, and but he's thinking that detail is going to matter when we try to win game 12, 13, and 14. And when you look at how they escaped against Auburn, he's right. The method works. Why would I be bugged by someone who's had that much success? I'm envious, but that's not an emotion that goes towards annoyance. I don't think so anyway. Maybe some do, but I don't. So when I watch their team play and I watch him, I'm thinking, this is what works for him. It's like Gino R.E.M., it's women's basketball, so he doesn't get near the run. But he grates on people all the time, right? But how's he stayed near the top? And we hear... Uh, I think the the Notre Dame coach, she's retired now. McGraw was the last. It's just re- not the maybe the last one, but she just recently complained about you know all this stuff that's uh, so unfair advantage wise for uh, UConn, and he went back at her. And he's had these disputes with a lot of these uh, women's basketball coaches. Seemed like all the time, and you listen to him talk, and and he's got that East Coast Italian thing about him. <laughs> But the dude gets the best players, and then they win. How can I be upset by that? How can I be irritated by that? It's the same thing with Saban over here, and it's a much bigger scale. I get it because it's football. But I actually appreciate and admire those folks who are successful in the athletic world. And this is my world that I work in and have for many, many years now. I find that a little surprising because you have complained about Saban for a long time. And there are days I get it because there are days... What's there to complain about? Because there are days... He's complaining. (laughs) I mean, it really is. That that is what gets it. And he's got to be so grumpy. Maybe if he steps back and smells the roses, he doesn't get it. Maybe that's what it takes. And that's what it takes for him. Is that what it takes across the board? Not sure. I can't. I can't prove it, but I 100 percent believe it. That if he stepped back and smelled the roses, he'd be sitting on. I think he's on six titles, but I could be wrong because he racks him up so fast. But he'd only have half of them. He only, have, which would still be awesome. Because Urban Meyer ended up with three, and he's the second best college football coach of the last quarter century, the quote unquote modern era. I would just go by winning, I guess. With social media, yes, because. It is a regional sport, and the people with the most money win. And the fact that Urban chose the job he chose, and the fact that Nick has chosen the jobs he picked well, yeah. totally underlines that. Nick could have stayed at Michigan State and been a legend. And he left LSU and won a national title. And when he left the NFL, he went right back to the SEC. He didn't take a Big Ten job. He knew where the highest percentage of the best four stars and five stars lived. You can find him anywhere, but you can find more of them in the SEC footprint. So he went there. Yeah, but he built it. I mean, they were six and six his first year. No doubt about it. But he saw the potential and he knew how it. I mean, I don't know that these guys are the best coaches. To me, coaching is whatever talent you have, getting the maximum out of it. That could be. So if you want to go with winning, some random dude we don't even know, right? And the North Dakota guy. (laughs) You could. Well, and you could be great somewhere, grinding it out seven and five. Rocky Long did. Great coaching jobs in New Mexico. Absolutely, he did. But there aren't very many people who live there, and a very small percentage of them are elite recruits. 
And yeah, like one every five years. Exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah. you can't. So that's great. Coaching. You can't build Alabama. I, 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 I just don't want to assign because that, uh, okay, but the titles. Guys, I, I get that. That. Dis- that diminishes somebody like Jerry Sloan. Okay, so the guys who won the most titles picked the part of the country where it's easiest to win the title. They knew where the gravy yeah, they, was. I mean, they they went still have to do it, for though, it. because Agreed. there's other programs in, in those areas. And I, but I think those, and I think those two are great coaches. But they chose that part of the country because it's what Bill said. It is a regional sport. It's much bigger in that region than it is in other yeah, regions. Then, and it's big other places. Okay, but then but just it's not that big. when Pete Carroll had it going on, it didn't seem so regional. He had an awesome run. P. Carroll's great departure coach. tipped the balance of power towards the SEC. In a sense, it did. <laughs> yeah. Because Yach here, well, who is just a freak with college football, saying the best game he ever saw didn't involve anybody from over there. It involved Texas and California. And those are two hotbeds unto themselves for sure anyway. So it's not like... Which the SEC... Your, your point is kind of uh, But in 2005... The same. In 2005, the SEC hadn't planted the flag in Texas in the way they have now. They got A&M, which they hadn't done in then, at that point. They started getting more players out of Texas. I don't know. I haven't and looked now at they've their doubled down. I don't know how many players they have from Texas. I can't speak for that. I, I, I'm, I have no idea. I'd have to go research it. Uh, I, I hear that regional, but it didn't seem regional when uh, McKay and Robinson and Carroll were doing their thing for USC. didn't seem so regional then. and didn't seem so regional when Chip Kelly had it going on at Oregon. And and sure, both those teams, both those programs got slapped. But I don't care. They won. And their fan bases, they'll just make excuses for them. And stuff happens every decade or two that changes the, uh, the base everyone's building off. It kind of changes the rules of the game. And the transfer portal and NIL are two things that can have that impact. So how does somebody else figure out how to cash in on him? Because nobody wins forever, and the SEC won't win forever either. I'm not so sure the NIL is going to change things for Alabama. Think the transfer portal will have a bigger impact? You would bill on that? No. I don't think they need any change. They just have Nick, and when he retires, the magic is gone, and they're I back to 6-6 six and six like I they were before I have no Nick. idea. I can't say. I don't know. Maybe they Unless get they hit another better. home run like they did with Bear Bryant. And with Nick Saban. But this NIL stuff for those schools, I keep saying it, and whether you want to believe it or not, those kids were already getting it. Now they'll just, maybe they'll get more. Great. Okay, my assumption is that schools that weren't willing to cheat at the level that you had to cheat at to win big over time yeah, might be willing to play by NIL. Yeah, but I'm... If, it's almost like if you're not willing to cheat over time, then... You won't be willing to do NIL either? Yeah, well, yeah, you're not going to sell your soul for this stuff. That's what it's going to take. USC's had a frustrating decade. Maybe they'll sell their soul. Okay, they and will. That, and that everybody... Good for them. Which is, all, which is all it really takes. But they've already been there done that, but, so yeah, fine. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't change the balance got, of power. They've got gazillionaires in, uh, in Orange County, and whether it's... We got gazillionaires. NFT or yeah, they got more. <laughs> yeah, but a big deal. I only need it one. only takes one, right? <laughs> Oklahoma State and Oregon have proven it takes one to change the course of your of your uh, college football team.
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is coming up at 9 o'clock. And the Utah Jazz with a different look. And it's not nearly as good. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day. How much do these last two losses prove Rudy Gobert's value? Rod says it proves he is the best interior defensive player in the league. Look at the stats Sabonis has when he plays against Rudy. And then look what he did against the Jazz without Rudy. It was obvious. Rudy having a massive impact just with his presence on the floor. Changes the way the other guys think. And Sabonis was like, Rudy's not here. I'm going to the rack. Sabonis, if he saw Gobert, he said, I would have had a cold. I don't feel like playing today. Matt says it's massive. His presence on the floor changes the way opposing teams can attack the Jazz. Obviously, he is underappreciated. He's like all those left-handed batters. Ooh, Randy Johnson's pitching today. Ooh, I ain't oh, playing. yeah. I need a day off. The hammy's a little tight. <laughs> the lower back. <laughs> uh, for sure. They are such a dramatically different team without him. He's their most indispensable player. Mitchell can get the acclaim. Because we love the people who score the points. Of course. Yeah. But when you can prevent the points, when you can convince five guys not to attack the rim and take a lower percentage shot, you have a massive impact. I really, really hope when we get to the postseason, the protocol stuff is behind. I don't know that it will be. And I understand the need for it all. I'm not making any political statements here whatsoever. Uh, I'm just making a, a sports statement because it sucks having these people for every team in and out. You don't know who's available. It's like college basketball. I'm having a real hard time getting into it because I'm not know, playing. I know, yeah, who's playing this right. week? And who is the team actually playing? And and if you haven't played since uh, ten days ago, you know what are you supposed to do? Uh, it's a rhythm game and all that stuff. You know, you hear from players at the highest level that they yep. like to play every other day. So playing yeah. once a week and then missing a week and yeah. playing one more game. So disjointed. Teams are out of whack. Right. I'm having a hard time getting into it uh, the way I normally would. And maybe as we progress here along into February and grow c- closer to March Madness. I'll Will you like it when the college kids are playing three games a day? Because I did read the West Coast Conference play is playing play, three, three games. Sorry, 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 it's not AAU basketball. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what AAU. are we doing? Uh, well, you're going to have, <laughs> we're going to send, we're gonna send four three. teams to one city <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> we're going to use two gyms. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. It'd be different. It, it would be different. It would be very <laughs> AAU. Run these guys no, I've had, had three games in a week. So then the West Coast Conference. I mean, I can I, live with that. And we'll see if they actually make them all up. That's the plan now. We'll see how many yeah, they have I'm, to make I'm up. I'm fine with that because we all go crazy for conference tournaments and you end up playing three in three days. Yep. So I can, I can, they are young. 
and they should be able to run around a little bit. Um, but it is uh, hindering my enjoyment of the sport. And I, I'll handle it now from the NBA perspective as long as I don't have it in the postseason. Well, I've got to have my yeah. pure postseason. May and June are a long way away, and I realize making any predictions about the future can turn, yeah. can turn political. Well, A, it's ridiculous, and B, it can turn political really quickly. And I don't want to do right. that. But I was told in December that NBA teams, including the Jazz, were planning for it to be really bad through January, but that the trend in other countries with this variant was, yes, there's a huge spike, but there's a huge crash on the other side because the people get it and you do have natural immunity for a while. Now, how long that lasts and whether that will protect the playoffs, I don't think anyone can predict that. But I do think when we get to February and March, it's going to be way better than it is in January. And then you start Good. getting beyond that, Great. I don't know. But I, I think it's going to be better in three, four, five weeks. I got to have my sports. I got to have my Masters in the second week of April. Yeah, that, that November got- Masters was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> I understood it under the time. I did, but, but I gotta have weird. it. I gotta yeah. have it normally. I gotta have my Kentucky Derby the first su- Saturday in May. These, I gotta have it. I gotta have my opening day baseball. And if you go on, it's, if you lock out a strike, I think you're stupid to do it. Um, but I gotta have it. I gotta have. I I, I got my my mindset, my calendar. Uh, even like next week, a week from today, MLK Day. It just screams NBA hoop, right? Bunch of games, games on during the day. I told you years ago when we lived in L.A., my wife was a school teacher taught in South Central at Washington Prep. And so they were off, and I was working nights at the Daily Breeze then, working a desk shift. And so for years, we went to the fabulous forum to watch the Lakers play on MLK Day. And it just became a, a part of who we were. I would get tickets through work. And we would go. It was like the only Laker game I went as a fan, as opposed to working. But I would go every single year. And I got to have it. So I'll live with it now for these guys being in and out of the lineup, if, if that's the way it's got to be. But I'm going to be furious if we get to the postseason and we have it. Because I want the purity of it. You know, I want Clay Thompson playing. Glad to see him come back. And I want the teams as they're constituted, as they're supposed to be, and have the best two teams go at it in June. So be it. Although I have an opportunity to go to Hawaii in June. <laughs> wow. That was a great. Yuck, did you enjoy that? Laying down the law and then all of a sudden, Let's comma, wait. <laughs> comma. Well, I tell you, my sister has a timeshare, and she gave it, but she's been trying to give it to us for two yeah, I know. years. Right, yeah, I remember. And we we got it set. We got it set over the weekend, mm-hmm. bought the airline tickets. Sweet! When are you going? It's the uh, last week. So if the Jazz go game seven of the NBA Finals... You're going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not going to. I'll take that bet. <laughs> Most years there isn't even a game seven for I anybody. I know. The I know. finals ended five or six games. Well, we, that's I pushed it back. So if they got to the finals, I'd be here. But if they go to the finals, it's just Father's Day, mm-hmm. game seven. That's I gotta be there at noon. I gotta be there at noon to check in. <laughs> I have to be there because it's a timeshare. It's not a hotel. 
and I got to be there. I got to I got to check in by noon. Those are the rules. Right? <laughs> and she has been trying to give this to us as a gift for 2 years. And we keep having to postpone it. We've postponed it 3 times now. And we want to do that cuz then I got to get out of the way of uh July because Pac-12 Media Day and all that stuff and you know, that's a busy time too. And so if the Jazz play game seven, I'll have to rely on you guys the next day. Four times in the last 25 years, the NBA Finals has gone seven games. Only four times. The odds are there won't be a game seven. The odds are overwhelming. And then you got to have the Jazz there too. I rolled the dice. You did, but not very, <laughs> not very much. And that was the week she could give it to us. All these playoff appearances the Jazz have been in, I'd have, I'll have to check, but I don't think they played more than five or six game sevens ever in any round. Now the first round is seven, and it didn't used to be, so that changes things a little bit. But very rarely do they get into a game seven. My wife looked it up before she hit the button to pay. Okay, you know this is game seven. She looked it up. I said, yeah. Your, your wife it, is awesome. I give it a shot. There are so many great <laughs> stories with her. If we could have her on the air, it would be an awesome show. She could tell so many stories. I give it a shot. And so we'll see. You just if, totally blow through that because she will never do that. She won't. No. She, <laughs> she will never do that. She's not interested in uh, any, any limelight. Much like me. <laughs> <laughs> I desperately want to do radio, but no limelight. <laughs> yeah, but that's the byproduct. You got to do that with it. That's why I put on the glasses, and I already got the big nose when I'm out in public, so nobody knows who I am. They don't recognize me. Well, I had a guy over the weekend. I was down in St. George Golf, and he says to me, "I'm walking out of the clubhouse." He says to me, "You're, uh, hey, you're, uh, yeah, you're, uh, um, you're, uh, you're, uh, yeah. I listen to you every day. You're, uh, you're, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna help me out. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna stand there." Stand there as long as it takes. <laughs> and then... My, my wife made me stop doing that. People used to say, hey, did we go to high school together? No. And I was curious. She's like, tell them. Just tell them. And um, so I stood there. He's getting like, you're a, you're a, I listen to you every day. Come on, man. Come on, come on. <laughs> well, it's up to you to get it. I know who I am. <laughs> and he says, you're a, a friend. You're, the guy's name is Craig Terry. He says, you're Craig Terry's friend. Like, that's how you identified me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I said, yeah, yeah. I said, oh. He says, oh, is that a bad thing? I said, no, 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 no. I, I love that guy. I just went golfing with him uh, a couple months ago. Uh, no, but it was funny. that That's how he, he did. He couldn't remember my name, but he remembered a friend who told him that he knew me. So that was kind of funny that that's, uh, that was a new frame of reference. But I don't know. Maybe the Jazz, I would love to see them go Game 7. You know, I just want to make sure that they're fully staffed and ready to go for the postseason. And if they don't have guys along the way, whether it's this month and next month, so be it. Because everybody's going to have this situation. The Jazz were the last team to have it. Everybody had had it before the Jazz. They were the last team to have one guy go in when when, uh, Joe went in. And then it's Rudy Gobert, and then it's Rudy Gay, it's Elijah Hughes, so it'll be four guys out for tonight's game. So do we sweat the results? I mean, losing to Detroit with a couple of guys out, I mean, nothing against Hughes. Uh, Although he did did look good the other night. You mean losing to Indiana? They played Detroit tonight. Yeah. 
So if they, you, if, they if they lose, lose tonight, to Detroit, there's no excuse. Even with a couple of guys out. No offense that Elijah Hughes is out. I'm not counting him. I'm counting. But there's three rotation guys. Yes. But still, that's they what I'm asking. They ought to be able to beat an eight-win Detroit Losing team. to Detroit with I, I think the two what, Rudys and Joe out. I think what Donovan Mitchell said, and I'm surprised you didn't jump on it because it's a total PK thing to say, but I think what he said is really important. And this is about them winning tonight. It's about where they're seated in the regular season. It's about what happens in the playoffs. And that last update, Yaki, if you have it, you can play it again. That where he says... You know, no excuses. If we want to be a championship team, they got to tighten up the details. They can't be cruising through this. We're the Jazz. We're pretty good. We're going to win a championship one day. That's not going to get it done. It's Nick Saban. Every detail matters. And you've got to grind in February and January, even though that's no fun. But you've got to get to that place where you're hitting on all cylinders consistently. Because if you aren't, someone will take you down. And it might be the Suns, and it might be the Warriors. Maybe it's the Nets or the Bucks. But someone will get you if you don't have that. And it seems like Donovan's addressing that right here. The schedule is going to not be easy for us, so it's like, yo, we got to go out there and do it every night. You know, teams are coming at us. We got to be locked in from the jump. This is a point where if we want to be a championship team, we got to do it every night down the stretch. We got to think about where, where we need to be, our game plans, and well, that's on all of us. When you use his words, locked in, and every night, because they haven't been. Yeah, no, but if you don't have their guys and you have no answer for Sabonis, what are you supposed to do? Whiteside isn't the answer. They're not going to win every night. I get that. But are they locked in every night? Watch what, watch your stuff. Do they, do they go under screens on known three-point shooters? Because you're right. If you just don't have the talent one night, then you're going to get beat. And they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the season. And even though you never yeah. put your fingers in the dirt, you know their nights you watch, you're like, they don't have it. They just kind of cruised for 10 minutes right there. Okay, but yeah, Milwaukee finished fourth last year. Yep. Did they have it every night? Obviously not. I'd have to go back and look and see how many injuries they have. They've certainly been crushed by injuries this year. And that's your point. They're going to be very shorthanded tonight. You're going to miss a starter, and you're going to miss two key subs. But what I'm saying Joe's tonight, really a halftime starter at this point. Tonight, I can excuse, even though the Pacers are still 10 games under 500. Yep. I but the Pacers are still that. a couple. Now, the, the Sabonis is an All Star. He's an All Star, and the Pacers are still two or three cuts above the Pistons. I have a hard time justifying tonight's loss. Yeah, Obviously, Toronto, we get it, and to yep. an extent, Sabonis. Good for him, man. Hat hat off to you. But tonight, see, I think what you got to do under these circumstances when you're having these mismatched lineups left and right is these seriously sucky teams, and there are just a few of them in the league, then you make sure you win. That's what the Jazz haven't done. I mean, they got to win this thing tonight. This is a crap, crap Detroit team. They have lost to the Pelicans. They have lost to the Orlando Magic. They have lost to some bad teams. And those are two of the bottom five teams in the league. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we're going to talk with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He's going to join us in 15 minutes. NFL, the final day of the season. That was crazy. One good game after another. Topped by probably the best game of the day. We will get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. 
David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. A little 47-yard. Jackpot, baby! Let's go to Cincinnati! Yeah, baby! Wow. What a football game. What a season. Five walk-off field goals for Daniel Carlson this year. That kicker needs a nickname. Let's give it to him. He's the Iceman. (laughs) That's your Chevy Strong play of the game. The Raiders and the Chargers. The last play in overtime of the final game. It sends the Raiders and the Steelers to the playoffs sends the Chargers home. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 4... No, we can't do it at 4.50, Yach. It'll be during Unrivaled at okay, some point. Know it during Unrivaled. They'll do, maybe they'll do it at 3.50. I don't know when they'll do it. Normally it's at 4.50 every Monday, but the Jazz play the Pistons today at 5, and the pregame show starts at 4, so it'll have to be before 4 o'clock. All right, DJ and PK, we got the question of the day up. And who are we kidding? We got multiple questions today. How great was the Charger Raider game? And <laughs> I got a group of college friends. It's funny. They have no idea what we're talking about, but one of them just texted this out on a group text because we play fantasy football. And he says, Dennis says, I think the Raiders and Chargers played the most interesting game I've seen in years. It was wild. I don't think I've seen two average teams fight so hard for a victory. Might have happened, but a regionalized game and the whole country wasn't watching? Or is this was prime time, the last game of the season, and everybody knew the stakes? I think that's recency bias. I mean, I think there's been plenty of them. There's been plenty of great games. It goes on and on. So I, I can't make any blanket statement there. Uh, it was a fun game, and, and Herbert, I don't, I don't think he needed a coming-out party, but even in defeat, it was a coming-out party. Six fourth-down fourth down conversions. And the bullets he was throwing in there, yeah. you know, were just sensational. Fourth and 21. He's going to be really, really good. He already is really, really good. Uh, and, and, you know, he's 6'6", 240, basically, and he can move. Jeez. And he was sort of uh, not quite an afterthought coming out of high school. I think his junior year he broke his leg or something. And so that's a big time for recruiting. Uh, but he had a like, lower Big Sky type offers. And then he's wearing Eugene right there. And then they offer. Uh, and he's not an instant smash. But he just got better and better. And, and has, I mean, he's blessed with the size and just an amazing player. And it was fun to see. There's not, you know, it would have been cool if they would have scored like uh, uh, or, or advanced the ball on the first downs. But the drama of the fourth down is sort of like baseball. Baseball's drama builds as Kirk Gibson fouls off a couple of pitches. You know what I mean? And the and there's and there's uh, the break in the action. 
to build up the drama between each pitch. Well, there was a little bit of break in the action on each complete because mm-hmm. incomplete because the clock stopped and you don't have to rush the line of scrimmage because there's no. You the got clock's the not moving. You got time right? after the incomplete so pass. So it builds up the tension. Fourth and ten. Yeah, and the way that, again the way that baseball can do in between pitches, and he keeps completing those and just that two point conversion that he had was incredible because he had to look three or four different oh, ways yeah. and then slide to his left and then s- put one into a small window. Just a two-point conversion was pretty sweet. So you got all that going on there and the Raiders trying to do their thing. And the Raiders have had a phenomenal story, good and bad, this year with a lot of crap that they've had to deal with. And uh, they got they got that thing done. And then the timeout, you know, was that change? What would have happened? Uh, it's... It, how do we know? It always cracks me up. How do we know what would have happened if he doesn't call the timeout? It appears that the Raiders would have settled for a tie and you would have been in the playoff. Uh, you know, and that's great. But if you lose 50 to nothing next week, you know, whoop-de-doo. Uh, all sorts of But were they going to kneel down after? That's what I didn't no, get. No, I don't think they were going to kneel gonna down. They were going to run the ball. They were going to run the ball. And who's to say he doesn't fumble? Who's to say he doesn't uh, break it all the way? Uh, I mean, he I, runs I for the same amount of yards he ran for before the timeout. I know, I know. Without the timeout that he did with the timeout. I, I didn't get the timeout as the biggest thing down the stretch. But it didn't, the timeout seemed pointless. It did to us. The postgame thing was that they had the wrong guys on the field, apparently. And they wanted to. That's what their the Chargers coach said was that they didn't have yeah, I the got best that. slash right guys on the field. Well, then, but then they did, and they still ran for the first down. And that's what he said. Yeah, he <laughs> says we didn't execute anyway, so it ends up not mattering. Right. So who's to say that the Raiders' car wouldn't have had a center exchange or a, a running back exchange, and they trip over each other? Any number I'm, of things can I'm happen. I'm with you on Herbert. Didn't already need a coming out party. He may have to the country. Not to me. He's, not to us. We've seen him. He threw for 5,000 yards this year. He's second in the NFL in passing yardage. Like, he's been good for a while. The only thing you can hang on him is he throws too many picks. And then you'd have to dig through the picks and see if they're really all on him. But the Chargers have too many interceptions. And they may not all be on him. That's the hitch and the giddy up there. And then the second thing is, we have seen with Russell Wilson in Seattle, I think we're seeing it with Mahomes in Kansas City, quarterbacks can be good, very young, and so you need to hit when they're still on their rookie contract, because then when you pay them more, it's harder to put the team around them. So these, these are the prime years in some respect yeah. for Herbert. Not that he isn't going to play well down Packers the line. Packers have managed to be good for Doran. They have. Yeah, I mean, it can be done. And, and then Patriots were... Right, but Brady takes less money also. Brady never insists on being the top-paid quarterback. Mahomes insists on being the top-paid quarterback. And they're still very good. Does he insist, or do they offer? <laughs> yeah, I, I think if the team could pay less, they would. So I think that they insisted. I mean, yes, the team did offer. I, that's like saying I insist on being the lowest paid guy on the zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they offer, so I took it. <laughs> I want one penny less than him. <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> Why would you do that? So when layoffs come around, you don't target me first. Ah, strategy. Strategy. Herbert and Kirk Cousins are the only quarterbacks in the top ten in yardage who didn't make the playoffs. 
It really is a quarterback-driven league. Get the quarterback who throws for the most yards, and mostly you're set. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joining us right now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, the number of clinical studies you have behind your technology keeps growing. It certainly does. Uh, If you're interested in a science-backed approach for ED, not a pill, the science-backed portion is pretty significant. 50 studies that back the technology at Wasatch Medical, multiple universities and hospitals. Uh, I kind of think it's irrefutable, but if you go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com, you can read these. It shows that this is safe. It's effective. The pressure waves repair the blood vessels. It's clinically shown to improve circulation enough we can get rid of the ED. Or if you just want better performance, maybe you're uh, younger, don't have ED, and just want things to be better, we sure do a lot of that as well here. Still, you have guys who hear all the science and all the clinical research, but they're still reluctant to visit you, and there's one reason why, right? I think so. I think that they are a little bit embarrassed. I would say the second one is maybe a little bit of denial. (laughs) They don't want to come in to the ED clinic. But when men finally do, when they go through the sessions, this is a few 10-minute sessions, by the way. It's so easy. It's pain-free. It's not embarrassing, intimidating, or invasive. The results are worth it. Uh, Way prior to Valentine's Day, you could be done with these treatments. You can be ready The results are so worth it. We can do anything, guys, for a couple of weeks. You got a special deal, an offer, a discount. People, you can save a little money right now. Yes, if you're ready to regain your love life, get the spark back and throw the pills away. Give us a call this morning. You'll meet with our doctor. He'll do an exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound. That's free. Zero obligation, by the way, if you just want to come in and ask questions. The gift just for coming in that produces immediate results, you'll love that. And this is quite valuable. Blood work and testosterone, that's free today as well. Call right now at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. You can claim that that, uh, discount offer right now. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic, Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland. He's our basketball insider, and he joins us on the Mountainland, courtesy of Mountainland Supply every week right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, We've had uh, a lot of colder weather for Central California, a lot of rain, but uh, it's all good. Excellent. The uh, Utah Jazz have a lot of guys going into health and safety protocol. They were the last team to put a guy in, but Joe Ingles went in, and then Rudy Gobert went in a couple days later. And now we got word on uh, Sunday that Rudy Gay and Elijah Hughes are going in as well. The Jazz are down a starter and two subs who play a pretty good chunk of time themselves. 
So how much should Jazz fans be sweating the results now, and how much do you just have to get through the next, I don't know, week or two, whatever it turns out to be? You know, I, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate circumstance. The Jazz should feel very blessed that uh, they haven't had to deal with what a lot of the teams in the, in the league have. I think the Jazz, just, I mean, they're kind of the last bastion of people, you know, programs to actually get, get hard, hit pretty hard. But, I mean, it's, that's what's happening throughout the league. What, what's been amazing to me, and a lot of, as I've watched games and little bits and pieces of games, is how many really good players there are in the NBA. <laughs> Guys I've never heard of, you know, dropping 25 or dropping 27, and they're, you know, they're, they're playing six or seven minutes a game. So uh, it, it does say something about the depth and the talent, especially some of the young talent in the league, that, uh, you know, it's all of a sudden you think it's going to be a blowout and two or three people that we had never heard of, you know, score 15, 18, 20 points. There's a lot of good players in the league, and not all of them are playing just because of, the depth and the talent of this league. So that has been something that's been a little bit surprising uh, in that other people have had a chance to step up. And, you know, you do that, your team gets better. You, you can't afford losses, a lot of losses, but uh, that's that's the way it is. So uh, I, I don't think the Jazz, I mean, obviously anytime you're missing a, people who are getting significant minutes, it's gonna you're going to have to make adjustments. But I think for the Jazz, most of their leading scorers, guys that uh, have been carrying that team are still playing. Yeah, and and you look at it and my my thought is maybe it'll change going forward uh, because if guys are out and a bunch of teams have you know key players out, four and five guys, it's going to be hard for them to win. We saw it the other night in Toronto, the Jazz by their own uh, doing, you know, sat basically everyone. And so the young guys yep. had a nice first half, and then Van Fleet did what he did in the second half. So they ended up losing the game. So I'm thinking that, you know, maybe it waters down the regular season. But to date, though, if I make that argument, I don't know that I have the standings to back me up because it looks like the best teams in the West, particularly, and sticking with the West, they're where they're supposed to be. One, two, three with the Jazz, and the Grizzlies got a lot of young talent there. Uh, obviously, Morant and that Bain kid that the, they got at the end of the first round is looking like a steal big time. So when I look at the standings, they basically reflect uh, what's happened. You know, you, some injuries involved with the Lakers and Clippers for sure. Uh, and But you're, every season there's injuries. You can't predict them and you can't count on them, but they always happen. So as I look at the standings, though, it's not really COVID-related to the standings because they're trying to, They're basically true to the talent that's been available. It's true. And I, and I think, for, for instance, you look, looking at Golden State and Phoenix and Utah, I mean, yes, uh, Booker was out for a few games, but they've never really been hit hard. And these are teams that all that have depth as well. You know, I mean, these are, you know, you take Golden State, I'm going to talk about Memphis in a minute, but Golden State and Phoenix and Utah have all had protocol safety uh, health and protocol issues, but not to the magnitude where three of their leading scorers were out at the same time. You know, it's, it's usually one or two guys and somebody else picks up, and, and, and consequently, you're right. I mean, the teams we thought would be really good, though, I think Golden State has is, is surprised some people. I, I don't think we felt maybe going into the year that Golden State would be 30-9, and nine, but, you know, it's also, you know, Jordan Poole and Otto Potter, uh, uh, you know, Port Porter plays playing well, and Wiggins has become an all-star. 
I mean, it's been, it's been a crazy what Golden State's done. So uh, I didn't expect Golden State to have to jump out like this. Phoenix and Utah, I think we all kind of expected it. I, I actually went and saw Memphis play last week uh, uh, against the Clippers. And, uh, and I've been watching them and following them. And, and you, you mentioned it already, Pat. I mean, Bain has been he, – he's incredible. I mean, he has got a motor. He's got a stroke. I mean, he, he, he and, and Jaron Jackson – they, and they're, they're missing a couple of guys right now, too, with, uh, with Dylan Brooks being out and Steven Adams being out. But, uh, I mean, I know Clippers didn't really have, you know, you don't have Paul and you don't have Kawhi playing. But I'm telling you, I've watched them in other games, and Memphis is really, really, really good. I mean, they are fun to watch. I took my grandkids, and, and the, uh, the irony is we went to see Memphis to see John Morant. And, and, he, and he didn't play. Right. You know, he sat on the bench and walked around. But uh, that was disappointing. But, yeah, that is a team that is going to have to seriously be reckoned with because they really, really guard. And they're tough, tough-minded guys. And, and Bain is the perfect example of that. So that is really kind of a surprise. Kind of a surprise team for the NBA. I mean, we all knew that John Morant had it, but we didn't look at them as being elite three or four teams in the NBA West. And I'm, they're not going anywhere. They they just play so hard and compete, and uh, fun, fun, fun team to watch play. You mentioned the Warriors, and Clay Thompson is back. He's driving into traffic and throwing down a dunk with guys all around him. He's not worried about how he's landing, if he's going to get bumped, if he's going to. Boy, there was no fear whatsoever. And I'm curious if you can think of anyone who has been out for two and a half years straight. You know, Bernard King was out a long time ago for yeah. a full year, and his comeback was treated like the biggest thing ever. But that was one year, not two and a half years. And Grant Hill missed a lot of time, but he played 47 games over four years, so obviously he missed a lot of time, but he did play some. Bill Walton, I, I, don't, I can't think of a parallel for a guy who was completely shut down for two and a half seasons. No, you know, you know the thing is, when I was – when they were going through all that, and I, and I watched a bit of that game last night, and I, I just thought the mental part and the emotional part of doing that. I mean, yes, there was all of the physical that had to be dealt with, and all of the the, the physical therapy and all the, the magnitude of all the things that had to be done with doctors. But I mean, I'm telling you, right, just the emotional well-being and the mental health uh, of of going through that, and it's something that you have such passion for and and in your mind you're thinking because they think our minds do things to us and just the idea that he might get hurt again and he seemed to play you know pretty free and with reckless abandon and 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 mind you you know two and a half years he's he's been working and everything that i've heard that's been reported is that you know he's done everything he can possibly do but i i don't think we can underestimate the mental and emotional part of coming back and how hard that had to be especially when someone that's been at the top of the mountain has won championships. And uh, I, I just thought in my, in my, in his gut, you know, it's kind of like you, you thought you're going to come up, you know, I just got to be positive. I got to play my game. I got to do what I, I got to be smart and not get in positions where I could hurt myself. Uh, he probably had to have a lot of counseling and a lot of friends talking through this thing because maybe the more difficult part would be the mental and the emotional part and not the physical, the body healed, got it where it needs to be, uh, but the, the journey that he had mentally and emotionally, I can't even imagine. Do you install them as the favorites then, or do you still want to see? 
you know, I, I, I still want to see. I mean, I, I think that he, he's certainly going to have an impact. The thing is, <clears throat> it, it it's kind of like, all right, Jordan Poole, who's been playing really good, and I, I don't know what his average is. Right? He usually going for about 15, 16 a night. You got Wiggins, who's playing, and, you know, and so they're going to have to figure out how to play those people because it's, the, the moment Clay Thompson comes on the floor, Jordan Poole takes a different role, and he's been playing really well, and, and, and maybe Porter plays a different role as well. So, yeah, I, I think the pieces are there. Do I think, I think they've got a great coaching staff? They I mean, Draymond Green's like a coach on the floor. You got, you know, the best three-point shooter ever and who's also plays with a very high IQ. I mean, it's not a stretch to say, hey, you can see Golden State winning it, but I don't think it happens that easy. It's going to take Clay Thompson time, and they're going to have to figure out how to play together because you've had some guys playing that have had been significant contributors, but all of a sudden their minutes are going to be down because Clay's probably going to take some of those minutes. And so there are some adjustments. I don't think it's just a smooth transition. It'll, it'll take uh, two or three weeks before they figure out where they're going. But Phoenix and Utah and Memphis in, 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 that, in that division are, are all capable of beating Golden State even with Clay Thompson. I mean, they're, if everybody stays healthy, uh, I, I, you know, I do think it's going to be those four teams. Uh, I don't think anybody else, Dallas, Denver, the Lakers, are just they're, they're, they're nowhere close. Uh, you know, if the Clippers got back Paul and Kawhi and they were healthy in March, uh, that they they would jump into that, but right now I don't see anybody that's close to those four teams, and I would have never thought I would say that about Memphis, but I, I've just I've kind of become a fan of watching them and and, and watching John Morant. But I, man, they're, they're, they have a lot of substance. It's not just the John Morant show. It, it is they defend and can shoot it, and they share the ball just like Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah do. So those those four teams. Uh, out of that four, you're going to have an NBA West champion. I don't think anybody's going to sneak up on him. Despite the fact, PK, sure, I kiss up to as many local teams as possible to get the ratings as high as possible on Talking Sports, which may or may not be true. I'll take the fifth on that. Uh, <laughs> I started the season thinking Barcelo was the best player in the state and BYU was an NCAA tournament team. And PK has definitely talked me into Justin Bean as the best player in the state. But I think BYU, with the two injuries to the big guys, is vulnerable defensively against better teams, maybe even against mediocre teams if, they're, you know, if they have the right uh, talent, the right players to attack them. And scoring has become such a struggle for anyone other than Barcelo on a given night, maybe Troy or maybe Nell. But scoring for the team has been an issue. I'm thinking they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. What do you think? I think it's too early to say that. Uh, I, 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 do, I, do, I do agree with you that it, scoring is a struggle. Now, you know, when you're watching St. Mary's, who makes the game really ugly and makes it very difficult. And, but, I, but, I, I, but I agree with you that, you know, Nell and Spencer Johnson and, you know, are both guys that on any given night can shoot the three well. Luke, Lucas is more of a scorer than he is a shooter, but the, he, he actually brings something there that they, that they really need. And you know Borcello's going to get the attention of everybody. And, and so I would say, you know, they're going to go play Gonzaga, and then they're going to go play USF. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be tough to beat Gonzaga at home. I mean, it's been done before. I'm not sure this team has the ability to do that. You never know. The, the big game for them this week is USF, and who's, who's gotten off to a really – Good year, and they're fourteen and two, or 
uh, or yeah, I think they're fourteen and two, and, and so really, they're. I, I don't think St. Mary's is, is going to be in the top three personally. I mean, they may end up there, but I think San Francisco is a better team. You know, I wa- I watched that game, and, and I, I I just <laughs> I was so surprised that how long it took both teams to kind of figure things out. And 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 mind you. When you play St. Mary's, they grind it. They defend the three as good as anybody. I mean, they just lock you in. That's what they're good at. And they make the game really ugly. And, and Randy Bennett is a, a great coach. He's had great success. But I, I don't think they have the playmakers and the people that can make baskets when teams play also play solid defense. And BYU is really solid defensively. <clears throat> you know, one of the things I sat there and I – when I coached, and we all went through times where you go three or four or five minutes. I, I was a little surprised to watch St. Mary's go 10 minutes and not make any real significant adjustments. I mean, throughout the year, you have quick hitters, you have ISOs, you have things in your pocket that you use. And you save a lot of those for conference play. But it, it was like they just continued to do the same thing. And, and, and college basketball today is about handoffs. It's about uh, it's about ball screens and slips. It's uh, you know, back cuts. I mean, you watch college basketball, and probably seventy five percent of them are all playing the same way. And and that's fine because there there are some real positives to that. And when you have guys that can bounce it and penetrate and get where they need to get, you, you, you score. But it, it, I was just surprised that the adjustments offensively were just not there. It was like a timeout. You know, let's let's run a couple of quick hitters. Let's isolate somebody. Let's get something done. Where we over, you know overload the side of the floor. It just never happened. And I mean, I, I I've been in games. Trust me, where I coached and we couldn't score for five or six minutes. But I was just surprised that there were no real adjustments there. And we're talking about Randy Bennett. I consider one of the best college basketball coaches in the country. He, he, his record speaks for itself and how they play. They make the game pretty ugly and difficult to play. They're tough-minded. But to go 10 and 12 minutes in this day and age, that just seemed really hard for me to believe that there isn't something that you do. I mean, most coaches will have, you know, quick hitters and isos out of timeouts, dead balls, uh, where, you know, you can, you can do something. Get to the free throw line. That's the whole thing. Get to the free throw line. Quit shooting threes. Get to the free throw line. But I, I, I mean, I watch that game. I've been in grind out games like that. Mark Pope, I know his comments uh, uh, after the game and before the game were it's really hard to play against these guys. They just really muddy the game up. But I, I just thought I would see more adjustments. Ten and twelve minute time periods of not scoring. Uh, that that's hard to watch. <laughs> hard to watch. And it's, I know it's all about who has one more point than the other team. But uh, well, we shall see. I, I think BYU, going back to uh, to them and, and the NCAA tournament, I think they have the pedigree right now. I think it, I think the the experts have them in the tournament, and uh, but they're not they're not going to be able to have slip ups. I mean, they they can't lose the teams that that they're not supposed to lose to. And going on the road in the WCC for BYU and for everybody sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge. And so it, it'll be interesting. I, I do believe if they can finish second in this conference, even finish third, that there's going to be at least three teams go. Whether there's going to be four teams, I don't know. But San Francisco has put themselves in a position right now. If San Francisco beats BYU at home, 
then you know you're 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 in a situation where you got to beat them at home. And so uh, I think they're still in. I, I I like where they're at in terms of the of uh, their body of work, but they they can't have two or three losses to teams they shouldn't have to, and and then get into the tournament. So. That, that staff seems to really prepare well defensively. I don't see that happening. But this is a tough week for BYU. I mean, they go to Zags, go to San Francisco. We're going to find out uh, how they respond to that. And I, I would imagine that obviously they'll be prepared. But those will be two tough tasks. Steve Cleveland, he's our basketball insider, brought to you by Mountain, Mountainland Supply every week here on The Zone. Steve, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, you guys. Take care. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt right now from Wasatch Medical. He's got a breakthrough treatment for ED that does not involve pills, injections, or side effects. Andrew, welcome to the show. Tell us all about it. Well, that's right. We call it breakthrough because it's not a pill, which is the only thing that essentially has existed, or at least the most common thing, for 30 years Uh, I am yet to meet a man that enjoys getting a prescription, going to the pharmacy, taking a pill, playing this big timing game uh, for his love life. We now, as far as I know, it's the only thing. It's called acoustic wave therapy that treats the root cause problem of ED. The pressure waves repair and open up the blood vessels and improve circulation enough we can get rid of the ED. Or if you're out there listening, maybe younger and you just want more blood flow, we do a lot of that as well here at Wasatch Medical. You have a lot of uh, research now piling up, and you have it, but you didn't do it. Yeah, that's right. This is third-party clinical research. Uh, A lot of universities and hospitals, essentially, um, some urology journals have basically tested our technology on men with varying degrees of ED, and then, of course, reported uh, the results. It's safe. It's effective. It treats the root cause. The Cleveland Clinic said this creates a clinical increase in blood flow. Uh, that is so great, and the science certainly is sound. And now you got a special offer. Save, a people, save people a few bucks if they're on the fence about whether to uh, call or not. Now's the time to call. Now's the time, guys. ED doesn't resolve its own, on its own, unfortunately. Call us now. The exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound that's free. The gift that produces immediate results. I think you'll love that. Uh, and this is pretty cool. Blood work and testosterone. If you're interested in that, that's free today as well. Call right now. 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Call Andrew right now. 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com.
90 Inch Locker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit leesheatac.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. We've hit on a lot of topics this morning. The NFL regular season came to a close with some OT thrillers. Pittsburgh eliminating Baltimore with an overtime win. The Niners getting in, coming from 17 down to beat the Rams in overtime. Rams to win the division because Arizona lost to Seattle. And the Raiders are in the playoffs with a 35-32 overtime victory over the Chargers that sent the Chargers home and put the Pittsburgh Steelers into the postseason. PK, your takeaways from the final Sunday of the NFL's regular season with a lot of thrilling games. You had 17 games to get in the postseason. If you didn't get in, that's your fault. Now it's time for the postseason, and it's awesome. And it only goes a month. We get these massive titanic matchups right off the bat, and then it just grows until we finish it up next month in February when Aaron Rodgers will win his second Super Bowl and say, ha-ha, I told you. They are the favorites. Vegas has given them the best odds of winning it all. Ravens had 17 games to get in. They lost six in a row to get knocked out on the final day of the season. And five of them are heartbreakers. They got beat by 20 in one game. But, so that was it. But three one-point losses, a two-pointer, the overtime game, heart. Heartbreakers, just like the people who were in the stadium for RSL in 2011. Nice. (laughs) All the way back to Friday. 2011. (laughs) Has any loss stayed with you for 11 years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Over it? Uh, 40. uh, And and not being a teenager? Well, that's how you (laughs) get to that long ago. I was a teenager, yes, when the Chargers <laughs> lost to the Raiders in the AFC title that's, that's game at not, home. That's not true. That's you the worst loss ever. You could have been 40 in 2011. That's not how you get to the heartbreakers. That's not, that's not true at all. You could, you could have been 40. Hey, you said, has anything stayed with you longer? I went with the one that stayed with me the longest. Right, when you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. So you told So now Ryan it has Smith to be adulthood. Friday. So adulthood, what's the one that stayed with me the longest? That'd be zero, none. And you said everybody in that stadium in 2011 crushed. Still not over it. They're not over it. That was the. You've never exaggerated more. That's not true. I was on the other end, and I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Jack Buck. Jack Buck. Be, no, he couldn't believe what he saw. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I can't believe what I just heard. Somebody in 2011 still isn't. I wonder over if that it. would have cracked Ryan up if you dropped that. If you had, I can't well, believe what I up? just heard. That you were sucking up to him? That is true to a big <laughs> chunk of the fan base. You can deny it if you want, but that is true. <laughs> 11 years ago, mm-hmm. and they were 50, and now they're 61, and they still haven't gotten over it. That would be like 2% of the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else to add about the NFL? It's the greatest, man. I, the regular season's over. There's nothing to add. It's all about the playoffs now. People want to know what you think. It's, yeah, but it's, I don't. You asked about the regular season. Well, no, we watched a lot of games yesterday. We talked. We've got the rest of the week to look ahead. We can look ahead now if you want. But reputations are made in the postseason. The preliminaries are over. 
Starting Saturday, right? They got games on Saturday, right? Don't they have Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Didn't they move one game to Monday? They did. Yeah, which is smart. Very Cardinals and Rams. Instead of having a game Saturday at 11 a.m., they're going to have it Monday night in primetime. Great idea. They're going to make more money. And then whoever wins will complain about the short turnaround time for the next playoff game. This is excuses. Now... Because they'll, they'll probably then be on Saturday or Sunday. You would assume the Cardinals Rams winner would yeah. be on Sunday. Yes. No, I don't care what happened before. Now it happens now. It's all about the postseason. Nobody remembers anything Aaron Rodgers did in the regular season. He had a few hail marys and all that stuff. But now is the time. Everything is hypersensitive right now. Going forward, if you're an NFL fan, this is the greatest time of season. When it starts, you're all excited. I get that. But it's about January, and then obviously it spills over into February. You have any teams in the playoffs you absolutely do not trust? 100%, yeah, I know you're in the playoffs, but you don't matter. Well, it's obvious. It's the favorites. And the ones who aren't. No, I mean, Arizona's going in limping. But on the road where they have... That's irrelevant. Been 8-1 and one this year. They've been terrible at home, 3-5. and five. That's irrelevant. Philly, you got to be able to throw in yeah, the NFL, I mean, and they can't. Worst passing the, attack left in the playoffs. It's all the teams at the bottom. I mean, the favorites are there for a very reason. Now, they've established themselves, but how much of that is really they've established themselves based on 2021? I don't think it's that. that's the case. Because you can look at KC and feel very confident about them. But if you're going solely on 2021, you're not doing that. No, it's not just 2021 with KC. You're thinking, all right, they've been really good now for at least three years. They've been you know, to Super Bowls, right? And so this year, I don't think it was a great regular season for them relative it to was, their expectation. It was not. But yet I still feel a lot of confidence in them because they're a proven product. The Packers, somehow Aaron Rodgers, I've come to the conclusion, wants drama because it helps him play better. Other guys would be viewed as a distraction, but not Rodgers. What's, they're, they're, they have a week off now, so they got two weeks. There's going to be something is going to come up either this week or next week. <laughs> That's a safe bet. <laughs> he will weigh in on something. And then he's going to get up there and he's going to lecture us because he's super smart. You go look at his test scores. They were all, like virtually perfect. So he's super smart, and he's just going to roll with it, and then he's going to say, oh, I, sh- I showed you what So do you think, you think he'll have to make something up out of thin air, or something will just gonna, naturally present itself, and he'll seize it? Who knows? In the world we live in, two weeks is it's an eternity. It's like five seconds in the NBA when every announcer has to say, that's an eternity in the NBA. They've got to <laughs> say it. They're under rule by saying that. Down by one point. They've got the ball sideline. 5.2 seconds left. That's an eternity in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate right there. Is that the moment you're waiting for? Yes. So the world Thank you. Now live. the game can proceed. Please proceed. Right, they have to say that, right? And so <laughs> two weeks in the world we live in, who knows what's going to happen? You know what I mean? This is just incredible what what goes on in in two weeks. Maybe we'll I don't know. You name it. All right. But something's going to happen, and yet he's going to overcome it and play really well because he's a superstar. 
quarterbacks you believe in who do not have a Super Bowl yet, but you've already identified Justin them Herbert. as Super Bowl <laughs> champion quarterbacks. He's the one, huh? Not well, too he's many. Not in the postseason, right? I'd have to go through the list. I'd have to I've look got at it. In, I've got it in front of go me. Go ahead. Uh, Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Well, he's done. Yeah. Uh, Eagles hurt. Jalen hurts. No. Uh, Cowboys Prescott. I just don't think he's a big time quarterback. Garoppolo. I think he's good. Forty ers No. I, I totally believe in tiers of quarterbacks, and we could spend time later this week on that, that there are tiers of, you're the guy who can win the Super Bowl, you're the guy who can get the team to the playoffs, but you can't win the Super Bowl, you're the guy who's pretty good, but you're fringe playoff guy, you're the guy who has the job now, but I'm not convinced you will in a year, you're the guy who has the job now, but I'm not convinced you will in a month. I mean, there are literally tiers of quarterbacks, but we'll get to that another well, time. I think, but uh, I think Prescott is a playoff he's quarterback. He's an upper-level, second-tier quarterback. Yeah. He'll get you playoffs, and he'll do it again, but any faith when he gets there. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners. No. The sooner they can move on from I mean, him, the better. Bi- yeah, they're just biding time until the other guy, they want to give him the job. Stafford with the Rams. Stafford is an interesting case because he has no history, but he played for a crappy team, a crappy organization that went nowhere and is still going nowhere. So I actually believe in his talent, though. But see, I, and I don't co- totally assign Super Bowls to quarterbacks as if they're the sole reason why that team won or lost. There are certainly teams out there, and the Eagles, what was it, three years ago now? Four years ago? I lose track. Uh, they did not have an elite level quarterback, but they got it done. So it can happen. They're probably the most recent example. And Foles played well when it counted the most. He did. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't have any sustaining power, but he'd been in the league for a number of years. But he was great in that month, and that's what mattered. I believe in Stafford's talent. He throws too many picks. And at some point, he's going to throw that's, a pick, and it's going to beat him. And somewhat, okay, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, that's what you're asking, but I believe in his talent. He is wildly talented. I agree with that. Kyler Murray. No. Because? Well, he doesn't have Hopkins. Hopkins. So maybe he could do it in the long run, but he can't do it now, this year. Yeah, and they had J.J. Watt go out. They've had some injuries on defense that have hurt them. Derek Carr? Uh, No, I I like Carr in that uh, Prescott category. Joe Burrow. Burrow has no proof but in terms of postseason, but man, if you're throwing for 500 yards in the NFL... (laughs) This yeah. is not Utah's defense in a Rose Bowl. Mac Jones. Too young. Yep. Pick the Bills. Pick against the rookie quarterback. But I like what I've seen. Oh, yeah. He's had a good rookie year. But I'm not picking him in the playoffs on the road. No. Josh Allen really needs to come through. And there's no reason why he doesn't. Because Josh Allen, as Brady eventually, whenever, in the next 30 years, ages out, <laughs> and Rodgers gets tired of the drama, and he says, I'm done, We've got Mahomes over here. We've got Herbert, I think. But I think Josh Allen has the opportunity to establish himself. With Burrow and Mahomes as kind of a top tier? Yeah. Yeah. He's got to do it. you got to do it when it counts the most. I mean, it always counts, but when it counts the most. And you're right. In these next 30 years, Brady's going to fall apart. I mean, this year he only threw for 5,300 yards and led the NFL in passing yardage. He's going to be the first NFL quarterback to throw a TD pass to his own kid. (laughs) And I don't even know if his kids are interested in football. (laughs) 
DJ and PK, we also talked a little bit about the Jazz shorthanded tonight in Detroit, but Detroit is terrible, so still a winnable game, even though Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay, and Elijah Hughes are in health and safety protocols. So are three assistant coaches, including Alex Jensen. Be weird not to see Quinn talking to him during the game. Four o'clock for the pregame show, five o'clock for the tip-off. Can he text Alex tonight? I think he can. I don't know that he will, but I think he can. See him on the phone. Just holding his phone up, talking during Facetime him. What do you think, Al? Hey, Alex. <laughs> what about this? You know, his parents always hated when Majerus called him Al. His name is Alex. Some parents don't want nicknames. My grandfather wanted to give us nicknames, and my parents forbid it. It's quite the little drama. <laughs> okay, if, so, I t- if I tell you something, would you promise you'll never say it to me? What's that? You got, you got to promise first. I promise. Okay, you too, Yaccarino. So, in the Italian family, they like to establish boy. Like, uh, my Uncle Teddy had a kid, and they're big on the juniors. They call him Teddy Boy. He's like 25 years old. So, you're Patty Boy? Mama said, that's not happening. Oh, really? Your mom dropped the hammer? She put the foot down and said, that's not going? In certain, no uncertain terms language that we can't use on the air. She told me this. That she went Jerry Sloan? I'm too young, but she told me, and she said, that will not happen. (laughs) I'm drawing a line. (laughs) To all of her brothers and sisters. So finally we have something your mom and my mom had in common. What, she said they can call you nerdy boy? Well, you got to be like that. (laughs) (laughs) My my grandfather was going to give all three of the kids nicknames, and Mom dropped the hammer. Nope. He shortened every name. You know, Alan was going to become Al. David was coming to Dave. Eric was going to become Rick. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Dave is... (laughs) Not having it. His name's David. Dave is a nickname? Yeah, I was going to say that. Dave is unacceptable. She drew the line. I'm telling you, she drew the line. Unacceptable. Here are their names. Deal with it. And he complained about it to me. I'm like eight years old. He's like, yeah, I was gonna call you this and that. And your mom's like, Dave. Yeah, told me the whole thing. And I, I, I had to be second or third grade. That's Dave, what, you're with my grandfather. That's what he thought. But he Dave, like, he I want to call out his like daughter. Davey but he thought, or something. He thought like that. he clearly thought it was ridiculous. Dave. He was complaining to me about it. I'm like, I'm, Dave is not a nickname for I'm, David. He would agree with you. And I'm seven or eight. I'm like, well, what do I want to get in the middle of that for? Now, I don't care whether he agrees with me or not. That's a fact. Dave is not a nickname. Well, she had her rules, and that's the way it goes. She and I wouldn't have gotten along. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. A reminder. When you go to your next Utah Jazz game, and they will be home on Wednesday night playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6, where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole and foosball tables, enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Coming up next, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. 
Your feedback, the Mighty Quinn did not appreciate some things I had to say about the Chargers-Raiders game. Actually, try watching football. <laughs> Food out, brain on. Jesus, you look like you ate PK. I, I probably would have uh, eliminated the Jesus, but... Uh, he didn't. I know, I bet if I were you, I probably would. Yeah, okay, well, I'll edit it out next time. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? He didn't like the fact that I thought the Chargers shouldn't have gone for it on uh, fourth and one at their own 18, and the fact that I thought the Raiders let him off the hook by only kicking a field goal when they took the ball over there. It was entertaining football, but that's why they're 9-7 playing for wild cards. Packers would have put that thing in the end zone, make it a two-score game. Let them off the hook and let them hang around. Devin says, hey, I'm glad to make an appearance on the show today. I'd have to say I'm about 90% all in. I don't like how Oregon has gotten where it is, but unfortunately that's where the college game has gone, and this new NIL is only going to make things worse. Worse or better? No, he says worse. I get your point that at least now it's out in the open, so doesn't that make it better? People really underestimate how much money both in terms of the number of guys who were getting money and the amount some players were getting, there were a lot of players getting paid. And some were getting paid very big numbers. So when people say, that guy got twenty five grand out of NIL, or that guy got hundred grand out of NIL, people were getting twenty five and hundred grand before. That's not new. Right, because if the money's there, shouldn't they be getting it? Because everybody else is. Coaches are. Welcome to the United States of America. Yeah. Why can't a 20-year-old get money? And I don't know about you, but I like living in this country. See, there you go. A lot of people on the game tonight, uh, Hiram, I hate the SEC. <laughs> people lukewarm on watching this football game tonight. It's football you know we're going to watch. I'm lukewarm on the necessary uh, uh, promotion that they're going to get because they're going to get it in spades and it sort of just feeds itself but at the same time man this is high level college football and I love college football and this is the last game of the year so I feel obligated to watch although I'm, I'm glad there's a jazz game too yeah but when the jazz game finishes at 7.30 this football game will be in the second quarter oh I know so There'll be plenty to watch. And actually, I like that even better. Joe Taylor says, I was in my 30s in 2011, and that loss still hurts to this day, and you, PK, had to reopen that wound. No, actually, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I acknowledged it. You reopened it. PK <laughs> getting blamed for DJ. You, DJ you were sucking up again. to the guy who can telling the truth. you. Uh, it was so freaking random. And Yox, we gotta go. We gotta go to break. He doesn't. Yeah, one me. more thing in 2011. Yeah, but he can disemploy you in a heartbeat, brother. <laughs> <laughs> disemploy. <laughs> I would just go back to that other job. It wouldn't even change. Well, but you want to do that. I do. It's fun. I'll give you that. But it won't change my employment. He can disemploy me even though he's not my employer. You got that much power, brother. Oh, come on. People have tried to disemploy you before, and it's it's counterintuitive. lower level, not to the top. That was a pretty high level. It was coming down trying to disemploy you. Not to the top. The AD. It wasn't the president. You got me there. Tony Kukoc's parents really hated what Majerus called him, too, on the subject of nicknames. That's Kukoc. Exactly. <laughs> I loved when he would pronounce names. It would be nowhere near it. <laughs> Stephen Shaw, I would gladly suck up to PK if it will score me tickets to the Eagles at Vivint. Sing it, PK, in your glorious uh, tones. Where did that come from? 
We have an ad running, and they're going to start selling tickets this week for that. I mean, I know that, yeah, I saw that. It's actually uh, the last show on their tour, May 25th. Which will make it extra special. I would think, wouldn't it? Yes. Especially when you got a bunch of guys in their 70s. I once, yeah, so I I thought seeing a big-time band on a big-time tour and what turned out to be they rescheduled it so we didn't know we were buying the last night of the tour. I thought it was extra special good. I don't know that it matters to the artist, but I think it matters to the crowd. Maybe it matters to the artist. I don't know. You're yeah. right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so. Who knows? I mean, we just talked about trying to predict what's going to happen in the next two weeks. <laughs> All right. It's time to... I don't even know I'll be alive by Sunday. Nice. There it is. The Niners are in the playoffs. Playoffs? They playoffs? Got in. Good for them. When do the Niners play? Sunday. That would be awesome if someone asked Shanahan that. <laughs> hey, do you think you guys will be alive on Sunday? Yeah, how do you know you're game? actually going to be in the game? That would be so <laughs> awesome if someone in the Bay Area media did that. <laughs> uh, funny. All right, time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt now from Wasatch Medical, and he's got a breakthrough treatment. No pills, no injections, no side effects, and I can't imagine anybody wants the pills, injections, or side effects, Andrew, so this would seem to be a big step forward. Yeah, that's right. I am yet to meet a man uh, that gets ED and then says, I love the pill. I love uh, playing this timing game. I love trips to the pharmacy. I guess if you do fall into that category, I'd say keep taking the pill. Sounds great. But if you want an alternative, if you want to ditch the pill, get rid of the side effects, and you want normal and natural blood flow in the bedroom, that is what the technology at Wasatch Medical is clinically shown to do. The pressure waves... Open up your blood vessels Uh, so you can just imagine more blood flow, where you want it, when you want it. That's what it's all about. And a lot of guys are turning back the clock in the bedroom. And you've got studies that say this works. People over and over are taking a look at the treatment and coming to the same conclusion. That's right. 50 clinical studies now. Uh, That's just what we know of. I think there's a lot more out there. The Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the biggest hospitals in America, tested our technology and said that it generated a clinical increase in blood flow. Uh, That is so great. Exactly what a lot of guys need more of. And you've got a deal now. You're going to save people money if they pick up the phone and call right now. That's right. Uh, You can be done with these treatments by Valentine's Day, guys. Call us now. Exam, assessment, blood flow ultrasound. It's free. The gift that produces immediate results. I think you'll love that. Uh, And this is really quite valuable. If you feel like you have a need, blood work and testosterone, that's free as well. Call right now to qualify at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now and regain your love life at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ and PK, we are all done. Jake and Ben are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.